Hey guys, and welcome back to Playcast, the gaming podcast from the award-winning team at JumpCot Online. We are back today to wrap up Stealth Season, and I've got three lovely guests, as always, to join me. I have got Kyle. How are you doing? I'm not bad. Thank you for having me again. A pleasure. Sterling is back as well. How are you? We're not even guests, man. We're series regulars at this point. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like it's got to that point where like TV show credits, you're just like part of the cast now. It's not like guest starring. The dream. <laughs> and returning as well after our Watchdogs Legion takedown episode. <laughs> we have Aaron. How are you? I'm good. I'm not quite at that regular level yet, but I'm still very yeah. happy to be. You'll here. get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah before we get into kind of the topic of the, this week's episode we've got a few little bits of news uh, that we've just been kind of discussing before we start recording uh still i'm going to chuck it to you because this sounds really odd and i'm already confused please take the lead with this <laughs> nintendo server news so it came out last night that nintendo has been using the same um like i don't know what to call it, like the same servers or the same technology that they've been using since the GameCube era for like their <laughs> LAN connections, which ex- I don't know why that's so funny. Which so explains shock, is it? so much because like everyone complains that Nintendo Online and their infrastructure is just absolute dog shit. I don't want to be mean, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... say it how it is. Say it how it is. <laughs> like. Uh, even things like people playing online for Splatoon and, and Smash Ultimate, like they say playing online and playing just like um, locally is pretty much a different game in itself, which at the same time, I don't understand. But now that I've learned that they're using 15 year old infrastructure, I kind of understand <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> How did this like even it. get discovered? I think they just announced that they're changing it. Like, that's it. <laughs> they really yeah, outed themselves. They just kept that one quiet. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like that tweet the other day from EA, like, "Yay, thanks for playing our game, even though we're not updating it." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so I don't play Nintendo games online to to notice that much, but when I do play, I guess I do notice it's absolute dog shit. It's always like, a hassle. I mean, I remember the days of the Wii mm-hmm. and friend. I mean. I've seen the days of Wii. It's still the same on Switch. Like, why friend codes? The days of the Wii are now. That's what they're saying. It's the same infrastructure. It's the exact same. It's just. I remember playing Smash Brothers Brawl on the Wii, and it's like playing a slideshow. Yeah. And it's still it's just not gotten any better. <laughs> and it's paid. It's a paid service. Yeah. I remember being really, really impressed back in the day on the Wii when I was playing Mario Kart, and it would show you the globe. And they'd be like, you're playing with oh, someone yeah. from Japan right now. And I used to think that was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. <laughs> now the car. Very War easily zone. impressed back then. No. And now, I'd just, Nintendo, what's going on? This, this is bad. <laughs> what? I just find it mind-boggling. And the fact that they just outed themselves like that as well. Yeah. Just to let you know. <laughs> you know they're most, one of the most secretive gaming companies out there. But this is the thing. Like, yeah, we don't mind. There you go. Again, a bit more news, like just like Kyle says, to prove how secretive they are, it came out today that they cancelled their Legend of Zelda live action series and their Star Fox series that was being produced by Netflix. They cancelled it because it got leaked. Like, 
Imagine. I didn't even. How did it get leaked? None of us knew this was happening. Uh, I remember when the Legend of Zelda stuff came out. It was like very heavily rumored. It wasn't like, oh, here's some footage. Like here's, here's um who's gonna be in it. It was just like, you know, everyone's saying that uh Netflix is producing a Legend of Zelda series, and then Nintendo just canceled it. They're like, they didn't want it to to be known yet. Isn't that crazy? Like, man, this, you, but that's retweeting oh. stuff. Was it? Are you part of the problem, Sterling? Nah, that's it. We're done. So yeah. what if the scenario to me is okay? It's the day before Nintendo Direct. I'm like, right, we are ready to announce uh, Mario Galaxy Three, and then just some average Joe on Twitter is like, haha, hope they announce Mario Galaxy Three. Nintendo, like, <laughs> fuck, scrap it, scrap it all, <laughs> just right to the recycling bin. It's, like, it's all going to the dump. That SpongeBob meme where he's like burning yeah. files everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just what a strange way to. Like, of all, everything gets leaked now, and if anything. Most people use that to their advantage to build hype. They just play it down, but no, it's not happening. And then when it does happen, it's like, I got him. I mean, Xbox revealed the new the new consoles, like, early. Exactly. Because and, it got leaked. And it worked. Like, people were happy about it. And it put pressure on Sony to, like, two months later, finally announce what they were doing. Yeah. So, I don't understand. That's, a, that's two very, very old <laughs> thinking things from Nintendo <laughs> in, like, a single day. What next? Can you even imagine, like, the film industry if they went, like, cancelled projects based off the leaks? Oh, no, or Thanos is in uh, <laughs> Infinity War. No, get rid of it. It's yeah, gone. Films We're going to put uh, Howard the Duck as the main villain now. Let's go. That'd be good, actually. I heard they're making a new Fast and Furious. Cancel the whole franchise. It's done. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't curse our worlds like that. Yeah, no. Fast and Furious, I'm still... That's coming to an end in a couple of years. Fast Nine sitting somewhere on Vin Diesel's shelf. Fast Nine. And we need to do a home alone Fast and get that. Fast Nine shit. is set in me and Aaron's home country. Thank you very much. Oh, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Have you not seen the trailer? Oh my yeah, god. Well, yeah, oh, he goes to Edinburgh, doesn't he? Bro, there is a bit. This is a really bad tangent, right? There is a bit in that trailer where Vin Diesel, or vice versa, I don't know what the order is, spears John Cena. Yeah. off of this bridge <laughs> that bridge that he spears John Cena off is the bridge I walk under to go to work <laughs> every single day I went to work before How it shut does it feel being a part of history like pretty, that pretty good oh, yeah, pretty good I just imagine you great. walking to work and then John Cena and Vin Diesel <laughs> land in front of you wouldn't I mean, yeah that's, pretty, that's par for the course in Scotland to be honest just <laughs> give or take I, I rem- remember being like very offended when they included Glasgow and Edinburgh and Eurovision oh, that came in oh, last don't. year, but it was like the hydro was in Edinburgh, just down yeah. the street. Do you remember that? That was, that was very cursed. I don't, you know, that was a very stupid movie, but that was the moment that made me sit in my seat. Like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't be taking this. <laughs> that's not down that street. That's not where that is. Yeah, horrible. But to sum that up, Nintendo sort it out, and Dwayne Johnson <laughs> or Vin Diesel release Fast Night <laughs> right now. Right now, tonight, 12 o'clock. Please. Speaking of high octane experiences, PlayStation wrap up came out. What? <laughs> <laughs> came out today. Have you guys had a look at your statistics? Yes. Yeah. yeah Should we just go around and give some highlights? I've, uh, I've got mine ready. I'll, you want me I'll... to go first? Not, go I'm, on, I'm, you not, go I'm first. not going to go through it. Number of games played in 2020. No. I'm, uh, I'm just going to give you the hours yeah. and the hours. The most played game. 
Right. Yeah, so the, the total the total hours, which was was one thousand one hundred ninety one, which on first glance it makes sense, which is broken down to in the top three games. The Last of Us Part Two got number three with fifty eight hours, which oh. kind of shocked by that there wasn't a game that overtook that. Like that was you know with number three, number two Final Fantasy Seven Remake I got a hundred hours out of, which is funny because it's like a thirty five hour game, and then that number one mode. was given. <laughs> yeah, that hard one took a while. <laughs> That was a long draw, but and top was Warzone with four hundred thirty-five hours. But we, we, that's, we don't think that's accurate because if you go on your PlayStation Five and check your replay time, which is my favorite thing to do, it gave me like six hundred hours on Warzone. So I don't know what's happening there, but uh, yeah. mm-hmm. so it's weird because usually every other year it's like, oh, what? No way! But now that the PS Five lets you go for all your like any game you've ever played and gives you pretty accurate and anyone stats. else's, yeah, and anyone else, you can really stalk people. Mm-hmm. it's it's not i mean it's still cool to have this but it's kind of lost the you know the impact i still it's still a, i i wish they'd go into i don't know i don't know what stuff i'd like to see it's cool that they say like oh wednesday your most played day and oh, yeah. this is what you played on vr and stuff like that and here's what trophies you get but and then it's very weird at the end that they're like oh and you got a ps5 is this <laughs> it's like wow you somehow got a ps5 good on you here's a ps4 theme like, all right cool don't have a ps4 anymore but yeah, that was that's my thoughts and my wee wrap up. What we use? Um, I I had one thousand two hundred twenty three hours in total, which is I think about two hundred more than it was last year. I had kind of the same as you. Thirty. Uh, my third place was the Last of Us Part Two with fifty hours. I had Modern Warfare with one hundred thirty four, and then my highest was Apex Legends with one hundred forty six, and which I was kind of surprised by, but then. I got really into season six, um, and I dropped off at the very beginning of seven. So I was for season six, so I was playing it pretty much every day for about two or three months. So that'll be that'll be why that's up there. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised Warzone's as high because I went through a really like I played it all the time and then I just basically stopped and I haven't really went back into it since. But uh, yeah. I've also quit Warzone for the time being, much like Vicstar, that's one of the top key, oh, a yeah. bunch of, that's probably, I mean, that's a wee tangent, but a lot of top Warzone YouTubers have quit that game because it's so broken, so I've not played it in a couple, about a month or so now, but I'll maybe go back to it. Yeah, I usually, if there's something, you know, like like a new map or something like that, or like some big update, that is what draws me back to go through these things. I've been playing Rebirth. It's 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 pretty good. I ain't played any of the main game though. Uh yeah, I didn't really get into the Rebirth Island just because I I played it a lot on was it Black Ops Four, that was on. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to play it a lot then, but then the lot that there was like a wee squad of us that used to always play that, and we went back onto it, and I just didn't. I don't know. Just didn't take find, it quite the same. Find the podcast clip when us we were on, and I said if Warzone fucks up this integration with. Black Ops, they're gonna <laughs> lose most of their player base, and here we are. <laughs> so we're good at that on the it, playcast. I still think it's a bit lazy that they ported over the map. I mean, it's fun to play like the resurgence trios mode's not too bad, but it's still hella lazy that that's yeah. all they hyped up yeah, for not, the next couple not of months. To go on, but Warzone forever, but it's like I think the last time we spoke about it was when we had the Halloween event. I think we all mm-hmm. just thought it was so cool and the minute they put a lot of effort into it, the game mode although it was like a simple change to the map like oh put it at night time and put some jump scares in like they put in some fun skins they put in a new game mode and that was just for a mid-season update and then this huge integration is uh, here's a copy and pasted map 
we're going to put every gun into the game with zero thought on how that's going to destroy a game engine that's not based around those guns and lo and behold the game is unbalanced and unplayable that's just call of duty baby yeah pretty much it's just <laughs> what this happens every year i'm not surprised sterling what's your wrap-up looking like uh my total hours were 2281 Ooh, nice and nice. uh number three was final fantasy 7 remake at 123 hours uh number two monster hunter world at 132 and black ops 3 at 142 what whoa that's a <laughs> whoa whoa me and my friend played a lot of zombies in the summer during covid i, just, I think all i played during covid was just Warzone all day yeah it's so, horrible yeah according according to my wee thing though it says that like a 1,100 of those was offline play, which can't be the yeah, case. Yeah, that's weird. When over... I, I, yeah, I thought that was hard. You know, I've got nearly 300 hours on Apex Legends and Modern Warfare, which would have been entirely online yeah. stuff. I got <laughs> 500 hours on, on Modern Warfare. I wasn't just playing the campaign for yeah. 400 of <laughs> yeah. those. So again and so again. <laughs> it's just so good. That Yeah, that is... There's loads of, I'd like to see, like, what's your, what's your least played game? What was your most waste of money? Throughout the year, uh, there was so many of them for me because yeah. I'm just I'm just always buying. Like I think I was maybe talking about it before. I know I've mentioned to you, Kyle, that I was really excited to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, mm. and I just have, opened it. I, I've got, I've opened it. I oh, played the the, the first four hours, and that is it. I bought that yeah, on launch. <laughs> I really, also just to round that bit off, we're talking about your least played games. It's really funny about the bottom. Like number of monthly PS Plus games downloaded seventeen. It shows you all the games that were on PS Plus. Total value in digital savings, $19. What? <laughs> yeah, really I didn't, that. didn't need to put that on there. <laughs> I hate when they do that because they always, when you go to download it, they used to do it on the PS4, they'd put like the highest markup. So if, for example, when Battlefront 2 was given out for free, which is a game you can get for a tenner now, it was like, £60 worth uh, of value. No. It's like, right, <laughs> come on. Let's, let's be fair. But, what, what was your yeah. most popular time? Like, what do you mean? You know how it, it tells you like what your ah, your most common night yeah, yeah, or yeah. time of day Wednesday was. evenings, which is because my pal Ewan who streams, he does. We started Warzone Wednesdays, so I guess <laughs> it makes sense. And now we do GTA Wednesday, so I get they are tracking it pretty well to some extent. I'm a, I'm a Friday nights were mine. Friday nights, Friday nights were my lowest. As see oh. Friday and Saturdays, the days I see the girlfriend, so PS5 goes into hibernation. <laughs> and then it goes back up on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursdays were absolute dead days for me. I didn't have anything on a Thursday, pretty much. And then Sunday night was my most popular. Actually, how many platinum trophies did you get? <laughs> That's funny, I've got none. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. Three! No, <laughs> I, 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 technically I've got one because when I imported Spider-Man Remastered over to the oh, PS5, it unlocked uh, all the trophies again. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, this, I'm counting it. This wee uh, thing, it does have some mistakes in it. It's saying here that my top played online game was Battlefield Five, which I haven't touched in over a year. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it's quite. Jink, that's quite EA like slipping Sony a couple, like a fiver. Like, I right, tell people just, they love Battlefield yeah. Five, and maybe they'll be like, maybe back I, into it. Maybe I do love Battlefield Five, and I'll <laughs> go back to it. 
I'm just loading my wrap up now. I thought I got it screenshot. Okay. So third played game was Rocket League with 47 hours, but again, I think this is an accurate side of luck early in its way over that. <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima <laughs> at second with 64. Uh, and then Call of Duty Modern Warfare with 560, but I know Jesus. on the PS5 it says 610. Yeah. So the same with my GTA 5. Although I've went back to that this year, I'm over. I think I'm hitting 650 on GTA 5. Oh, uh, total total hours of gameplay in 2020. Two two thousand three hundred sixty-four. Oh, I need to you aim win. for the 2000s next year. I feel like I'm letting letting the gamers down. I was played locally, 2180. I only played online for 184 hours, guys, apparently. <laughs> Even though all the games I play are multiplayer. <laughs> I remember Swiss Nintendo did this thing with the Switch, the same wrap-up thing, but they never released it outside of America, to my knowledge. I can never get it over here in the UK. I had just more sad. hours on my Switch than PS4. Yeah, that's what oh. I was curious, because I, I know for a fact I played Phoenix Wright Trilogy for 60 hours, so that would put it number three here. But that probably yeah. wouldn't change that much. Uh, yeah. I, well, actually, no, I played Animal Crossing for 130 hours, so that would probably take number two spot. There you go. Oh, well. <laughs> 20, by 2020. Thanks, Sony, for your inaccurate results. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the PS4 theme. Yeah. <laughs> P- please patch uh, Cold War for the PS5, please, because it is unplayable. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. I'm a bit peeved it's inaccurate, but I'm not going to get on that tangent. I'm not going to get on it. Positive vibes only. All right. Send a, nice wee, anyway. uh, a nicely worded email to PlayStation after that. <laughs> I will. Write to the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we dive into the main topic of the episode, we are lucky enough to actually have an interview um, on Playcast this week with Ryan Brown of Super A Games. If you don't know who they are, they're a company that specialise in doing limited runs for underrated gems in gaming, and particularly on the Switch, which is included in the interview, and he talks a bit more about that. And conducting that interview, we had Aaron, who graciously took that on for us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. How, how was it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was It was good fun. Um, I done, you know, looked up my stuff, researched a little, <laughs> done some journalism. Uh, and yeah, no, it was pretty. It was pretty easy going. Uh, Rhymers was a, a really nice guy. He was very at ease, quite open to talk about a lot of things. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a very light and breezy half hour talking about about these games that they were indeed games. So it was really fun. I was listening to it whilst I was at work the other day, and it made my Monday morning a lot better. Uh, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I can. But yeah, the main. <laughs> Uh, but the main thing that you do talk about as well is the um, limited run of Project Warlock that they mm. are doing. I don't want to spoil too much about it because you'll find out literally in a few seconds. But uh, with that being said, please enjoy this interview. Hi there, guys. This is Aaron here for Playcast. And today we have a very special guest in the form of Ryan Brown. Hello, Ryan. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I, I feel very special now that I've been called a very special <laughs> guest. <laughs> well, I hope you're well. And... I'm going to start things off by just just a kind of general introduction of who you are. So on your website, you work for Super Rare Games and you're labelled as Head of Sane Stuff. Mm. And for those that don't know, why don't you give us a quick introduction of who you are, who Super Rare Games are, and just any other things you want to do for an introduction. Cool, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, hi, I'm Ryan. I work with Super Rare Games, as has been said. Uh, I am t- the Head of Sane Stuff. That is my real job title. 
um just because it sounds kind of cool and not boring and i don't think i don't think video games should be boring i don't want like a boring job title name um but what it basically means is i'm the head of pr and communications and stuff um so if you see any tweets on the official super rare games accounts that'll be me if you see newsletters that'll be me press releases um it's also my job to work with influencers to send samples and get coverage and when the world opens back up to normal run press events and all that like good stuff as well um so i i I guess do you want me to explain what super rare games is yeah that would be great cool um so super rare games is a rare print games publisher um we we publish a new indie nintendo switch game roughly every three weeks at the moment so generally speaking they'll be limited to about four thousand to five thousand units sometimes a little bit more depending on the title um but the idea is that we release completely varied titles all over the place we don't want to be known as the puzzle platformer company we don't want to be known as sort of the action games company so it's you know if if you're not interested in in one game one month you might be interested in the game the next month and we are a little bit different to sort of the other companies in our field that you may have heard of um because we using very in-depth and technical um abilities which is just sort of guessing sometimes um (laughs) we, we kind of will judge what we think the demand is beforehand so we actually already have the games in hand when we announce them um for example the game that we announced uh, last week i've had it in my house since the start of december so we we always have them early so that we can ship them out and people don't have to wait for six to twelve months they can just get it in like a week uh which is definitely one of our uh unique selling points um for, for the sort of field that we're in that that is a rarity um so yeah it's just at the moment we focus on just nintendo switch games um because mm-hmm. we like the switch <laughs> and we think it's a really good thing to collect <laughs> for um but yeah yeah that's so me are you are you uh like a collector yourself because obviously the the, the angle of this being physical uh releases of these games mm. a lot of that maybe so people can have it in their shelves people like to have a collection are you a collector yourself then Oh yeah, yeah. So I think I'd have to be the work here, really. It's um, <laughs> yeah. it's probably half the reason I got the job. Uh, so for years mm. before I even started Super Rare Games, I was already collecting all that stuff. So I already had a full release set from Super Rare, which is awesome, and a lot of the other companies. Nice. Um, when I was a full-time journalist, the topic that came up a lot in my work was talking about the preservation of video games and the, sort of the concerns mm-hmm. that I have with the all-digital future and subscription-based services and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, even long before I joined Super Rare, I was a big proponent of physical games, why they matter, um, and I'm a collector myself. Um, I have too many games. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you were kind of hinting there at like the selection process. Your latest release, obviously, you were talking about is Project Warlock, mm. which by the time this um, episode comes out should have been on sale by that point because it's January twenty eighth. Cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so. Yeah, it's a retro Doom esque first person shooter. Hmm. So, what is the process from finding the game, like a, a game like Project Warlock, to finally releasing it? What is the the kind of inner workings, negotiations that need to happen before a title is secured for a physical release? Yeah, so it can kind of be a variety of different things. Um, sometimes it's just that we've worked with the developer before, and they go, "We loved what we did together. Here are some of the other games that we we make. You interested in these?" which is the case of Project Warlock. We'd already worked with them uh, before on Darkwood. Um, sometimes it's just that we personally have played a game and we really like it. And because we like physical games, if we fall in love with the game, we're like, I need this in my hands now. 
um <laughs> and then we just, and and sometimes that makes zero business sense sometimes it's just all for us we just want to have a physical game in our hands uh that was a case with old school musical as an example george the, the founder of super Rare games played the game loved it um thought i need to have this in my hands as a hidden gem and that's sometimes how it goes sometimes it's based on popular recommendations what i always tell our fans on social media and stuff is we really are always listening to the games that people want to see physically. Always. I literally have a tally spreadsheet. So whenever someone recommends a game, <laughs> boop, off it goes in, in that tally, genuinely. Um, so mm. if, if there's games that are often requested, we will try and pursue that for logistical reasons. We can't always promise that it will happen. But we will pursue mm. all the regularly um, suggested games that we get. And then there's all the boring stuff. So that's stuff like, you know, um, we, we, we will watch all of the, basically every indie game release on the Switch. We'll watch all of the events and stuff, which we would be doing anyway if we weren't working here. And and we sort of try to early on assess which ones we think would be good for a physical release. For games that have been out already in the past, we'll look at stuff like the digital sales data. Um, yeah. We'll look at, you know, w w whether it fits in with our timeline and w whether it's something different and whether it's uh, graphically, whether it looks interesting enough for a physical release and, and, and then even more boring data-based stuff. Um, but yeah, sometimes a developer will come to us and, and pitch to us. Sometimes we go to them. Uh, so it really does happen in, in all different ways. Um, and even mm. the time span, even the time span from start to end can be completely different. Um, so by the end of last year, we had pretty much our entire first half of 2021 lineup done, solid, confirmed. Um, wow. A lot of those... Well, I'd say all of those are at least some way into the production pipeline, whether that's literally being printed on cart as we speak, or if it's just, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're doing up artwork and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And then there's the complicated stuff like getting approval from Nintendo, because obviously they're official releases. So Nintendo have to approve mm -hmm. everything from the artwork. To, they're very strict and stubborn about how, how things have to be. And then the, the Peggy Age ratings and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it can, sometimes games are in the pipeline for a year. Or sometimes if we're filling a gap and everything happens really quickly, it can take a few months. Um, so yeah, it just really depends. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So that for something like Project Warlock, obviously like that game came out, I think it was twenty eighteen, mm. and then the the there was the digital release on the on the eShop. So is it just a mixture of those kind of logistics and like all of those elements you were talking about that meant that it's coming out six months or so after it's been on on the Nintendo store? Yeah, yeah. So for that one, as I say, that one was we had worked with the console publisher Crunchy, uh -huh. uh, Crunching Koalas before on a game. And so they said, what else here are you interested in our library? I personally had recently just finished Project Warlock on the Switch. <laughs> and so again, it's part of that, like, I've played and loved the game. I want to have it in my hands personally. And it, it's just so happens, helpfully, that I think other people will be interested in it too. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just uh, that that I, I can't recall how long that game specifically has been in the pipeline. Um, yeah. But generally speaking, our releases are games that have already been out digitally. Occasionally, mm. like before a game is out, we will we will sign it. That has happened. But usually it's a game that has already been out digitally and then we can kind of assess how well it did digitally and, and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and when you eventually get your release for certain uh, titles, do you see there being an increase, like a fresh interest in it when you're bringing it to the, you know, the forefront forefront of uh, some people's minds and it breathes life back into the property because for example with project warlock myself it's probably the type of game that i would have never noticed until you guys mm. posted about it and then i see the trailers and i think that actually looks really fun i might pick that up yeah so that's a really cool thing about this sort of thing that we do so occasionally we will publish a game that everyone knows and loves and everyone already wants but then 
because we want a nice variety of games, we will occasionally publish something that perhaps not everyone has seen. Um, I don't think, I think maybe one person guessed that this was our next release because we always do like a, a guessing competition thing. We got several hundred guesses and one person, maybe two, ended up guessing this game in a list of games. But now that we've announced it, everyone's hyped for it. It's like one of our most anticipated releases, which just sort of goes to show you that not everyone is previously aware of this. The good thing for when we work with the developers, um, especially if it is a game that's already been out digitally in the past, is that game may digitally have kind of had its day. It's kind of, it's sold and maybe, you know, they might be selling some copies occasionally, but it's kind of done. And we sort of come into the fray and say, hey, do you want to hold your game in your hands? Also, would you like some money? <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> why, why would they not? Because the game has, you know, sometimes yeah. the game has kind of already done its sort of digital sales path and we're sort of giving it a new uh, leash of life. And as you say, sometimes it can bring it so much to the forefront that even after our physical release is done, the digital sales may sort of creep up a bit as well. So it's kind of, um, and we kind of handle all the work. All the developers really have to do is send over their game and approve things that we are doing. They don't really generally have to do any of the hardware themselves. It's it's pretty hands-off experience for them. Uh, so yeah, as a, as a developer, it's sort of why why wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it, it does. It just brings it back around, gives it a new yeah. a new cycle of life, basically. Yeah. Um. So not to sound too morbid. Obviously, you were talking. You you briefly mentioned the 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 kind of the monster of digital sales. But gaming has really delved into the digital side of distribution and purchasing recently. So mm-hmm. because obviously you've got your digital versions of mainline consoles and then completely console-less experiences like the Stadia. Mm-hmm. And even someone like myself, I, I do love to buy a game physically. But without even really realising it, I've started to slowly lean towards that digital format, especially mm-hmm. during the, the you know lockdown and pandemic. Is it, like, I find it quite a worrying prospect, especially for gaming stores and, and what it means for secondhand trading because now I live in a relatively large town I have to drive to another town to go to a game store that isn't you know like a supermarket mm-hmm. so is is the the kind of rise in popularity of digital games something that super rare games are worried about or is it because you're in such a, a niche of of these indie Nintendo titles that it's something that you don't really have to pay much attention to yeah, so it's kind of the growth of the digital gaming market is sort of inevitable. Like, we get it. It's convenient to have the digital version of a game. We understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the previous things I've mentioned about the, the issues with preservation and ownership, the fact that mm-hmm. a game can just disappear off of a subscription-based service and be gone forever. Mm-hmm. You know, examples like PT or Scott Pilgrim, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, yeah. which just disappeared just through licensing contracts or sometimes a music track in a game causes the game to be delisted, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm things in the future where you know one day you might not be able to play your you know the digital ps plus ps3 games and that sort of stuff there are enough people that know about those issues that care about those issues um i think despite how far digital gaming will grow there is always going to be an audience there that wants something physical i don't see that going Mm. away it's just sort of an innate thing in people that we don't really feel like we own something until it's literally in our hands until we can touch it yeah and see it. Uh, I think that's just a human thing. Um, and you know, as as the years are going on, of course, we're just seeing more people find us and come to us and, and appreciate what we're doing. And I think that'll be the case in the future. Even looking, even if we're looking 10, 20, 30 years in the future, um, it may be the case that consoles like the PlayStation Seven won't have a disk drive. That's possible. But I bet we'll have a USB drive. <laughs> and so it's just like. There's always going to be options, you know, with, even if in the future it is something like we're going to put the game on a nice collectible USB stick and package some stuff with it. 
you know, there's always going to be some sort of option available there for people that like to have physical products in their homes. Yeah, I mean, for myself, like, it's always the games that I really want are the ones that I buy physically. Mm. The ones that, like, almost almost the ones that I'm proud to have sitting on the shelf yeah. to show off to my friends if, you know, if they were ever allowed back in my house to see the games that I have. Going into the kind of inverse of that, you, obviously, you de- debut with limited number of uh, copies of your games with about 7,000, I think I saw was the highest number released. Of course, it's, it's in the title, Super Rare Games. You can't be... <laughs> selling millions and millions of copies but um looking at your site there are there's barely any with without the sold out banner across them so is mm. there that temptation to up the number of copies or are the numbers that you land on always precise to what you you know your sales estimations and what kind of thought goes behind that yeah so of course it's in the name like if we went back and reprinted a game we would understandably have a backlash from people that have bought our things assuming that you're not going to do that again um, so we won't do that. We're never going to reprint a game. So when we when we are originally publishing a game, we really deeply assess exactly how many unit numbers we should make, and that's based on a multitude of factors. It's based on the, the the digital sales it had. It's based on how well we think that that will sort of convert into a physical release, because sometimes a game might do better physically because it just looks nicer and that sort of stuff as well. Um, basically, loads of different data that we use to assess the the, the unit number. And the thing we always explain to people are the, the games that we publish, if we or other companies, limited print companies like us, weren't printing them, they would not have a physical release. So we, what, one thing that I'm always really keen to point out is we're not artificially limiting this number. We're not going, ho oh, ho, let's make only 7,000 because then people will rush to buy it. Ho ho ho. It's just that that really is the demand. <laughs> like if, if there's 10,000 people that want it, we'd make 10,000. But that really is the demand for these kind of titles. We'd be more than happy to sell more. <laughs> but that, that's, that's the demand. Um, yeah, these, 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 the games that we publish, unfortunately, as much as I believe that they should, they simply do not have retail opportunities in front of them. Um, so it's either a, a limited print physical release or there is no physical release, um, which is unfortunate. I think, that, I think that all of the games we've published before absolutely deserve to be in front of a wider audience. Um, than a wider audience than even we have provided, but unfortunately that's not the case. Um, so yeah, the 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 unit number is we try our best to assess it on on a case by case basis. We don't go, you know, the next three titles are going to be four thousand, the next three after that are going to be five thousand. We assess it on a case by case basis, a game by game basis. Um, so you know, using Monster Prom as an example, which is one of our highest print seven thousand units, some of our main collector base may have been a bit confused as why well. we produce so many um but if we we analyze that audience there is a huge fan base for that game and so actually producing a copy of that game which might not necessarily be um the most interesting title we've published to a lot of our usual collectors but publishing that brings in a new audience for us which means mm-hmm. they're with yeah. us now and so we can produce more units of the next game and so it just sort of is constantly building up the audience and being able to slowly build up the unit numbers um yeah it's it's we we never want to artificially we artificially limit a game's success that's that's not something we're interested in um if we we've we've never had it happen but if a game sold out in five minutes i mean that's cool but it means that we've judged the demand incorrectly uh usually our games won't, won't sell out that quickly we will have we'll have stock for a couple of days usually i've actually read a couple of uh articles on or like interviews that you've done on why that the Switch is the perfect console to push for these indie titles on. Mm. 
uh, at Super Rare Games. But for anyone that doesn't know, why do you think that is the perfect device? Yeah, oh yeah. So I, I strongly believe the Nintendo Switch is just like the perfect. It's the collector's dream console. Um, even before I joined Super Rare, I'd previously been collecting PS4 games. I still collect Game Boy, DS, PS1 games, PS2 games. But the Switch is just like, I mean, obviously, part of it is that it's portable. So you can play it at home, you can play it portably. That's amazing. Especially for someone like me, I don't get much TV access anymore. So it makes more sense for me to play something portably. Um, but I think there's just this deep history with collectors and Nintendo. Um, I don't know why that is, but collectors have always loved Nintendo consoles first and foremost. I think part of it is, for the Switch specifically, all the content can be on the cartridge. Uh, whereas with PS4 discs, it's awesome to collect those, but even still, you might have to pop it in and, and, and download a, uh, an update. As much as, as much as we humanly possibly can, all of our content is on a cartridge. Um, you know, sometimes we've delayed a release to wait for a patch to be put on the cart because we want it as complete as possible. Um, so there's that. And uh, even little things like the fact that the, the Switch case is slimmer. And that sounds so silly, but for people that seriously collect games and have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, the amount of space that that saves is enormous. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just such a it's, it's, it's an awesome thing to collect for physically. Small cases, they look gorgeous. The artwork on them is beautiful. You can have a manual in there. You can have um, the 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 reverse of the cover can be can be coloured, so you can make like artwork on that, which we always do. We never have just a blank white inside because that's kind of boring. Um, full colour manuals, which are possible, and yeah, it it is just the ideal thing to collect for. It seems that every game under the sun is coming to it. Um, I I think I've played more Switch games than I've probably played on any other console, which is amazing um yeah it's just an easy thing to get into switch collecting it's just one of one of the easier platforms to collect for super rare we're about two years old now by the well by the time this episode is out probably will have passed two years and the pandemic is near a year we've been in lockdown for nearly a year hmm. so what are the kind of challenges of an operation like super rare running during a pandemic like are you seeing increased interaction with the site since the world is turning to gaming as an escape or is it much the same how how has that been for you yeah, so it's been an interesting one, um, especially I personally, I joined the company in May, so I have never worked mm. at Super Rare Games in a non-COVID <laughs> environment, which mm -hmm. is very bizarre, um, <laughs> extremely weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for the company as a whole, like sales-wise, honestly, um, not much change, uh, as I'm sure that is reflected in much of the games industry. People are still buying games because they have to have something to do while they're locked down. Uh, the entertainment industry as a whole seems quite, except from things like theaters having to be shut the entertainment industry as a whole seems to be quite safe because people still need to be entertained um so sales wise no no real change obviously we've we're faced with a lot of complications regarding production regarding shipping um you know we we've we we pride ourselves on things being shipped out really quick that's sort of our usp and so especially during the first wave of the uk lockdown that was that was difficult for us um but we've separated the shipping team out into sort of different rooms and different sections. So they're all really spaced apart. It just means that the shipping is a little bit slower. Hopefully on the consumer end, there isn't any major noticeable differences from um, from COVID. Um, for us, it means we've been we've had to see a lot less of each other. We had to we had to do Zoom calls and, and all that sort of stuff. The same that I suppose most businesses are faced. But but yeah, on the on the consumer end, I, I should think not really any differences. Like things still arrive, maybe a few days a week late. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been okay. For people like looking at your company, the the business, and wondering, do I buy this online or do I buy this on just like at at the Super Rare Game Store? 
why why should they keep an eye on the, these limited releases? Why should they buy? Why do you think they should buy physical over digital? Oh, sure. So, I mean, going back to what I've said before, ownership, like the fact that when you are holding a game in your hands, you truly feel like you own it. If Because I will play games digitally. Of course I will. Um, not all of them have physical releases, sadly. So I'll play games digitally. And then once I've finished it, I for games for me are not temporary experiences. They have some level of permanence to them. And so I want to be able to hold it in my hands once I've finished the game. And so that is obviously an advantage. Um, on the collecting side, like obviously it's really awesome to just be able to point at a shelf and say, these are my games I have. Do you want to borrow one? <laughs> and just be able to lend it out to someone and, and have it so visible like that. Um, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of benefits that collectors see in having physical versions as opposed to digital. It's just a lot more free, which sounds so odd that a, a physical product is so much more freeing and... and and stuff than over over a digital release digital releases should be easier but they're not um so yeah it's just th those are the benefits for us as specifically we release so many different varied titles we really like showing hidden gems to people and seeing the reaction uh that people have you know occasionally we'll, we'll launch a game uh or announce a game and everyone will look at me like what is this and then they watch the trailer and they buy it and then they play it and they go oh my goodness like thank goodness this got a physical version i had literally never heard of it and we love that. We love that we're sort of showing new experiences and different varied hidden gems to people. We try and hit some of the big hits that people already want as well. But we love being able mm -hmm. to, to show people new experiences, which is amazing. Yeah. And sort of to round things out then, it's obviously safe to assume that you are a gamer. Uh, you host a podcast, Toad on Games, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. You also have a short form daily gaming news podcast. You've written for sites such as The Mirror and VG247. Um, and you post regular news updates on your Twitter, and I notice across those you're kind of you're discussing a lot, like all types of games. So I'm curious, what it is about Super Rare Games and the Indie Switch titles that made the job of saying stuff <laughs> for <laughs> Super Rare Games so appealing? Oh sure. So yeah. So my by nature my background is journalism. So I wrote for um, the Mirror full time as a games journalist, and then I've you know mm -hmm. freelanced out to other sites and. Um, you know, as you say, I have like the, these different little projects and things are going on. It seems like I'm like 24-7 working, but I'm working in games. So I'm not complaining. It's what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so for me, one of the main topics I'd always been speaking about was preservation. Always had been. Always been speaking about the, the problems I see with digital games. Um, I've always been a collector anyway. I had all that PR experience with my last job at Numskull. And I, I think that in, in my position, it's I find it quite useful. I have been a journalist because I know how to speak to them. I know what it is that they're looking for. Um, I, it's it's video games. Like I don't see the point in being this cold, unfriendly, closed off, dishonest. It, it it's unnecessary. I want to come into the office in shorts. I want to tell everyone how cool our stuff is, and I want to be open and honest about it. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, it was just a, it was just a natural fit for me. Um, uh, at Super, uh, at George, the the, the founder of, of Super Rare Games, um, I'd previously met him uh, at gaming events when I was a journalist. You know, I'd gone and seen the stuff and covered it, and and you know, all that lovely stuff. Uh, so yeah, he actually just reached out to me over Twitter and was like, "You happen to be looking for a job?" And I happened to be looking for a job. Um, so it's just <laughs> yeah, it's just a really good fit for me because it's it's the kind of topics that I have always genuinely cared about, collecting and physical and in indie games. Um, I've been interested in the indie scene since even before the big boom with Super Meat Boy and Braid. I was in like, the little tiny indie freeware scene on TigSource and, and all those little communities. Um, so yeah, indie games have always been something I've been passionate about on top of the, the physical stuff. 
Nice. And finally, is there a game that you would personally love to see released physically? Is there one that you've been wanting to get to for a while with Super Rare Games? Um, yes. I mean, generally, it's it's anything I've played I want physically. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, we, if we're really just throwing stuff out there and, and just like, in an ideal world, I'd like this, then one thing that I... Uh, I, I, I loved a lot of digital-only PS3 games. Um, mm-hmm. that I fear we're getting to a point where that sort of service may start coming to a close soon, the digital PS3 mm-hmm. services, and I'm worried that those games are just going to be permanently locked there, unplayable, uh, non-physical forever, which is, for someone like me, and the way that I think about physical games and preservation of games, is literally terrifying. Um, so games like Nobi Nobi Boy, which I adored on, on the PS3, uh, Derek the Deathbin, um, uh, the Pixel Junk Shooter Ultimate, which is genuinely one of my favourite games ever, uh, and the original Pixel Junk Monsters. Um, those, a lot of other little uh, digital-only PS3 games, um, just mortified that they've never been preserved physically. In an ideal world, I would mm-hmm. love them to be. Um, yeah, and then an awful lot of, of, of Switch games and ports. I'm one of those people that I do not mind if a game is ported as many times as possible. It, it becomes mm-hmm. more accessible. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't even mind physical versions of lots of the, the, the sort of ports, things that have just been ported to the Switch old games. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, basically I want a physical release of everything is the problem. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I, for one, I'm really excited to see what you guys have coming out over the course of 2021 and beyond. And thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no worries at all. This was good. Always happy to talk about video games. Uh, so do you have anything you want to plug? Twitter accounts or the likes? Oh, Absolutely. So you can follow me personally at Toad's Anime on Twitter. I share daily video game news and have a gaming news podcast every day in case you want to keep it with the games industry. On the Super Rare side, you can follow us at Super Rare Games on Twitter and Facebook. Probably go with Twitter. That's the more active one. And yeah, that way you can you can keep up to date with all the physical releases that we're going to share. We share teases all the time and competitions. Um, so even if you're not 100% sure if you want to start collecting Super Rare stuff, you can check all those out. Perfect. Well, thanks for speaking to us. I've, had, I've really enjoyed our wee chat here. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much. Um, so I'm just going to hand things back over to Sam in the main episode of Playcast. Thank you again to Ryan from Super Air Games. It is a pleasure to have him on Playcast, and I'm very grateful that we got the chance to interview him. Again, Project Warlock is the latest release from Super Rare Games. There's 4,000 copies available, and it has currently gone on sale um, last Thursday, I believe, on January 28th. So that is available now. There should still be some copies available if they haven't sold out already, so do be sure to check that out. But back to the topic of the episode, as I said, it is stealth season, and um, I wanted to use this time not only just to reflect on obviously the past month, but um, the genre itself, um, where it's going, the kind of decline it has had, sadly, um, over the last couple of years, and just a few of our favourite games, really. So, Kyle, if you want to kind of take the lead on this first, uh, and just speak to that a bit more. Uh, miss riding, doing naked cartwheels. <laughs> me- no, nah, I don't know, I- I'm not hugely into the stealth genre so maybe mm-hmm. i shouldn't be here but i swear <laughs> i've got i've got insight i swear um and I, you know i always like when metal gear solid 5 came out i played the hell out of that and obviously hitman coming out i played that but i don't know it's it's hard to see a direction it's going maybe i mean obviously it's different because it's hideo kojima does what he wants but death stranding still kept stealth elements in it but mm-hmm. took them in a kind of new direction where you couldn't really to some extent see what was after you so it was cool to see that game still try and keep some stealth roots in it 
but I don't know because we see so many games still no matter what the game is for better or worse implement stealth in some regard and often it can be a bit of a detractor you know it's just you go and play so many triple games and then there'll be a random even spider-man you know the first one that came out there's just weird stealth elements in that mm. not not the actual you know the the batman stealth stuff that they kind of do and like when you're playing mary jane or miles morales and it's just these weird four stealth sequences mm-hmm. i don't know if that maybe impacted people's perspective of stealth for a bit because it, it just started to feel like oh it's this force thing but then luckily hitman 3 comes along and it's been a huge success both mm. like critically commercially selling really well and getting really well reviewed it's, I don't know if this is going to be like a kind of resurgence, not to say the genre is dead by any means and they've res- resurrected some hero, but playing that, I think a lot of people have been like, oh yeah, I forgot how good stealth games were and people are going back to revisit the old Hitman titles. I don't know. I that's, think it... Yeah, what about you? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Oh, oh we're all <laughs> Everybody <gone>. now. <laughs> <laughs> you can go no, one of you guys go, go on. Oh. <laughs> right. I'll jump in. I'm going to jump in. Uh, yeah, I think... For a lot of games, it's just like a wee added, like they just throw it in to their games to, to, to kind of make you feel like there's a wee bit of variety in their gameplay. You know, it's not all just action or whatever it is in this this game because you get, you know, like The Last of Us Part 2 does it, Ghost of Tsushima does it, Assassin's Creed does it, where they have like the tall grass or something like that. And there's just, you have sections where you have to stay stealthy or, well, I mean, I think these can be good. But quite a lot of the time, it isn't built around the idea of self like something like Hitman 3 is. So it's just just thrown in there. And I think that's where a lot of people could probably get the idea that stealth isn't as, you know, like, like you're saying, like maybe just not quite the same as it used to be. But I think those games that do fully lean into stealth, like Hitman or I'll always go to Dishonored 2, it can be, it can be incredible. I, I, like, and if you're wanting to talk about the the um you know the, the the lesser stuff than now i'll i'll hold off my thoughts and dishonors because that's probably <laughs> the game i'm gonna be rambling about a lot this this episode but yeah i do think it's just so many games will just be like yeah we'll throw in a wee bit of stealth so then it's like in their trailers they can be like oh you can go in guns blazing through the front door or sneak around the back Ooh, the most genetic like, trailer <laughs> ever you know and they always have a really serious voice it's like going guns blazing uh, or take it at your own pace it's just some guy <laughs> opening a door yeah yeah i think i think that was the 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 kind of vibe i got from ghost of tsushima when at first they were doing the uh uh it was like gameplay reviews and they had it where it's like or you can take on the role of a ronin and then it's like he's sneaking around and he's stabbing guys and it's just like yeah cool this looks like a ps3 game to me like just the same i i, I don't know if people liked Ghost of Tsushima here I did not enough to keep playing it but that's the kind of thing I think a lot of games just keep doing they'll be like yeah you can sneak past the guards and that's that's about it to be honest there's not much to into it other than that that like get their players to experiment with stealth which I think is a real shame but um yeah what I agree I think a lot of AAA games just kind of add in things like RPG elements or stealth to to say or show that they have gameplay variety so whenever people, a lot of people comment that like JRPGs don't have a lot of variety, that they're just the same thing and kind of grindy. And it's like, okay, but like Western AAA games, just like how, like they so half-assed add those kind of things into their games. And that's why I think Hitman is such a resurgence and and so good 
again, I haven't played it, but just seeing the critical reception is that the whole game is stealth. Like there's so many creative things and ways you can play. And that's why people love it. Um, I'm not a stealth guy at all. Like, like Kyle, I'm pretty much the same as Kyle. Uh, when I played the last of us part two and you had to sneak through grass and, and take people out, I always just got tired of it halfway through and went, fuck this. <laughs> just went guns blazing. Even if like <laughs> it was clearly the wrong thing to do, I would just like power my way through it. And that's like every game that I've played with stealth, like Far Cry 2. I always just get tired of it and just like start blowing stuff up. But yeah, to to me, the, the decline of stealth games kind of happened when Assassin's Creed went from very... Stealth centered to more of an RPG open world type game. I think that was. It was it was like the the you know the center of the universe for stealth games in the 2010s, and then mm. it just slowly declined. Right, that the the series took a very hard left turn. But who knows? Like you said, maybe Hitman can kind of be yes. a, again. The the, the genre is not dead. It's just that it's been slowly falling out of popularity very smallly yeah just to cut in before sam goes i think a lot of the games we've mentioned is ones where like oh they've you know they're forced stealth assassin's creed even maybe arkham asylum could be held accountable for this it, stealth didn't become you know how can you think creatively to get to your goal it became can you sneak up behind that enemy and press the square button and then move on to the next one, mm-hmm. which in Arkham, I mean, I love the Arkham game, and and so many games took that formula, and like we're saying, like Ghost of Tsushima, you know, if you like it, if you don't like it, it's all of these games, even ones that I really enjoy, ultimately are, they're they're not really stealth. It's just staying out of a line of vision. Whereas Hitman, which I, we'll get into Hitman probably in depth later, that's a game like yeah, you go up behind this... somebody and you press a button to kill them, but then it's what what's the ramifications of that uh, on the world? Now you've got a body. <laughs> Yeah, like lying there. That's really is going to be is Hitman kind of like okay? Here's what you have to do: do it any way you can. Like find a way to do it. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, pretty much. You're Sorry, go ahead. Just get your... oh, on you go. I was just gonna say you have your location and then your your targets. And yeah, see, that's l- literally it. And then, you like Kyle said, any other game with stealth integrated, it's always like. They very much show you what you have to do and how to do it, and it's literally just sneak up on someone and, and knock them out. Like it's it's very copy and paste. There's there's some elements of that in Hitman, but it's not as much as like that. Like you have to do this way of playing it. You'll have like what they call like mission stories, and there's like four or five kind of different mm-hmm. preset routes you could follow mm-hmm. that are designed by the developers. Or as as Kyle and Aaron say, you can do what you want. It's just a case of how you do it. Even like the mission stories in Hitman, which I know I keep saying like I'm getting to ask into it. The mission stories <laughs> in Hitman, like somebody like me who's never really played that franchise, the it took me a while to get my head around like what does this game want me to do? So I start with the mission stories, and then there's these. So even like in the tutorial levels, which I've uh, like I did all the things you can do in those first two stages. They they add these like, escalations, so it's like take out this target where. Uh, this you know this disguise is okay this is pretty easy and by the fifth escalation it's like do this collect this kill this person do that and you start the mission stories kind of help you each like everybody has their own approach to a level 
and it, and it does kind of become as you replay each level it becomes trial and error and eventually you can do a level very quickly get that five star rating and it's just your own way of doing things and it's things you've you've taken from the challenges you've taken it from the mission stories and it allows you to just kind of make your own at least how that at least that's how i play it anyway because mm-hmm. i'm not very creative at coming up with my own ideas i kind of take from i take all the guidance i can get and then compile it into okay what would be first of all what would be the most fun thing to do and then once i've done that <laughs> i was like okay now i'll start there are times as i'm just gonna take a machine gun and see how far i can get yeah <laughs> uh yeah with like stealth like i'm I'm, good, I'm gonna tie it back into hitman actually because like back in the day kind of golden era stealth for me was like on the ps2 and the ps1 and you had like Hitman 2, Assassin and Contracts, and you had the Splinter Cell series and Siphon Filter on PS1, and of course Metal Gear Solid, like the first installments of those. And Hitman back then, like just to tie it again, like it was way more brutal than it is now. Like there's no mission stories, there's very, very sparse intel. It is literally just you boot up mm-hmm. into a mission, the map tells you where the target is, and that is it. You have to figure it out. And it's not even like the new ones where you could save it at a certain point in the mission and then try something out and then reload it. Like, if you fuck it up, you have to start again. <laughs> and it's so brutal. Um, It got a little bit easier when they made Blood Money, which is, like, renowned for being one of the best in the series, and, and rightly so, because it's really fun to play. But other games as well, like Splinter Cell, like that franchise kind of died a death a couple of years ago after um, Blacklist came out on the PS3. Um. The first installment of that, I remember getting that on the PS2, and again, it's it's still got simple concepts as you today, just like line of sight, staying in the shadows, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just the way it constructs those events going through each mission aids that, and I think that's something that Arkham Asylum did well, but kind of loses as the franchise goes on. Like the first Arkham game works so well for stealth because all the environments are catered to that, and catered to the experience of feeling like Batman and sneaking up on people. Even if you are the smashing square and hitting someone over the head with a fist, like, it's still catered toward that a lot more, whereas Arkham City and Arkham Asylum are a bit more like, here's a huge-ass courtroom, uh, press square if you want, or go and punch everybody up. And then they gave you a it tank in the last one. And the, <laughs> Oh, stealth tank oh missions don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Jesus. Here's a big-ass tank that sounds like you're barreling down an hourway. Now be quiet in it and sneak up on people. <laughs> it's awful. And then Stella makes a good point too, like the Assassin's Creed games, like the early, early entries of that are a lot more stealth-centered and a lot more about kind of tailing your suspects and getting through the mission that way to get a chance to assassinate them. Um, I've not played a lot of the newer entries, so I can't really comment on those, but it does seem like there has been this decline into... Stealth is very secondary now when people make games, and we, we kind of touched upon it as well in the Watch Dogs episode we did, where it's like, here's all this stuff that you can hack and all these different variations, where really it's just two options. Like, you go yeah. in with a gun and you shoot everyone in the head, or you turn a camera off and you walk past it. There you or go. Or you send the done. spider bot in. It yeah. does everything for you. <laughs> or you send the spider bot in. Yeah. It's just, it's a shame that it's got to that point. I mean, even Ghost of Tsushima, which I do really enjoy. Um, Aaron do make a good point with that because even the stealth in that is pretty much either stay up really high or get in some grass yeah. and then press square and stab somebody in the back. I think <laughs> that's, that's that's all it is. My problem with like a game like Ghost of Tsushima and the way it handles stealth and a lot of games that do this is it's fine having the stealth mechanics there. Like I was saying, when they promote it, you it's a choice. You can take it any way you want, but then that ends up not being the case because you get forced into these stealth missions. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, I'd rather tackle this and just you know 
go and, and see how many people I can kill. And the game doesn't allow you to do that because if you try and do that, you just get overwhelmed and die. It's not a case of like, oh, you just need to get better. Like, usually it's like, you failed, you've been spotted. Right, so don't, for, if you're going to put the mechanic in, make it something that is an option. Even, like Sterling said, The Last of Us 2, I, I do think the stealth mechanics in The Last of Us are pretty solid and because it's so kind of rooted in what the game's about. Mm-hmm. Especially in the second one where there's that point halfway through where they take away so basically the first half you can one hit enemies with hit and square and then they take that away from you to some extent with with some of the enemies but um i just wish but even in the last of us too if you've got enough ammo you can get past most encounters with like going guns blazing you're going to suffer for it because you have no ammo on a late encounter but the option is still there like you could theoretically go through the last of us completely guns blazing to an extent i think there might still be those points in top where it's like oh you failed you've been spotted so i wish games would like hitman doesn't fail you for being spotted it, that's when you go okay i need you can get out of that situation if you get spotted you need to think on the spot which usually if you're <laughs> me you just punch them in the face and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just start punch like throwing hands especially in vr like you just start throwing hands and totally it's like oh well nobody can see me anymore yeah yeah i think like that's the thing with stealth that makes it special for me when it when it works is it has something over all of those kind of action games or racing games or whatever that you know will have me feeling directly linked to a game like almost physically where like you know your heart's beating you're sitting on the edge of your seat and it, it's because like when you have action games or whatever like i was just saying you can sort of fumble your way to victory but the ones that do stealth right where it kind of goes to chaos if you're not like you're trying to hold on to the fact that you can't be seen and and you, you, you like the enemies aren't aware that you're there you're trying to take them out one by one but your gameplay like your actions are under such fine scrutiny so you know you're just holding on to this idea that no one can see you by the skin of your teeth because one move too early or too late or a distance that's too big for you to get across before someone turns around you know that's what gets my blood pumping so when it is something that just goes oh well you failed oh you were seen right restart again <laughs> like that that's that's so boring it takes away from you know i don't really care it just becomes annoying rather than like i'll be sitting there sweating because i'm like oh man like how am i gonna get i'm I'm, ha- I'm like right in the thick of it there's so many enemies around me how am i getting out of here like that's really kind of i think that's why it works well for horror games as well because it's like so nerve-wracking and when you have those games it just it, it just doesn't seem to make it an option because it's almost like too much effort because you have the whole whole thing i suppose like it's like you have gameplay version of branch and narrative when it when it kind of like oh well now they've seen you now they're taking action maybe that changes the events of that and that's why they break themselves into a spot where you can't be seen at all but i kind of feel like we're at a point with these kind of games and how we expect games to play and what we are be able to do in them that it should branch off and it should be like well you've been seen now but you just need to deal with it rather than you know just just restarting again and that's what i kind of like that's what i liked about hitman is because it's like right now you've been seen you have to deal with that and also you know it's almost like you're trying to save your player score because every time you fuck (laughs) something up it's down again and down again and down again so yeah i feel like you need to have a bit of consequence to your stealth in these kind of games I can't tell you how many times I've reloaded a save on Hitman in the past couple of weeks, oh, just trying yeah. to maintain like a good score on <laughs> yeah. the level. Um, I did the 
the, like the last mission of the game, the very linear train one. Mm-hmm. I did that suit only sign up assassin, and there's literally a point in it where I couldn't figure out what to do, and it it took me ages to go do it, and it probably took me like an hour and a bit to actually play the mission, and in game time it took twelve minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like the level of like detail and like panic that you go into in these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, you said you've not really played like much of the Hitman games. Like outside of the Hitman genre, what, what kind of stealth games have you kind of come across? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I mean, like that's that's the thing. Anytime, <laughs> like it, it comes up in games. If I have the choice not to do it, I just don't. It's I I can't think of like any specific like stealth centered games that i really play anything that incorporated it like the last of us or assassin's creed or stuff like that it's good like it is good um but i i just i just try to stay away from it i'm a i'm a big old chunky guy i'm not a stealthy guy (laughs) 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 Have, have you like ever ditch your toes no, into like Metal Gear Solid that's the thing I've like never that. played that either like... it's like I've always wanted to that's the thing and and seeing you guys talk about it and, and how big it is I, I want to try Hitman just because like Hitman kind of looks like a different case like I mentioned earlier it looks like you can kind of be creative and 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 actually have choice and that the game is nuanced and because stealth is like that main focus it definitely looks a lot better than most AAA games that try to incorporate it. So I'll give it a try. I, you could kill a guy with a banana if you really want to. Is this Mario Kart? I do. I've. <laughs> <laughs> with Hitman, I don't know if it's just because I'm a super newcomer to the franchise. I do. Because it basically, like we were saying earlier, each level works as just like a, a ticking clock and everything's on a cycle that every character every npc has their own routine that they'll go through and you kind of you walk around you work out what the routine is and you go okay how am i going to incorporate this and get the target but at times to me at least that was kind of detrimental especially when you're going for the escalations and stuff because you are doing the same there's only so many times you're like okay i've worked out my create my way of getting these two targets while meeting these objectives and there are times you can be sitting there for two or three minutes just waiting for something to happen. And that's and in one instance, it's like, okay, you need to do something else then. But there are literally challenges where it's like, right, do this. And it's something. It's like I've been playing, I've not even been playing them in order because I've got, I got Hitman 1 on PS Plus and you can, and Hitman 2, I got off friends. You can just put those levels into the Hitman 3 engine. So I was like, okay, I'll just play from the start then. It's like in the Paris level, there's an objective. It's okay, uh, kill the target by dropping a light on them. Which is cool, you spend some time, you get up there and you get up there and at least I was, I was waiting up there for almost three minutes for him to go on the stage and there's nothing else you can do because <laughs> you've only got that one target. So it's like, okay, I'll go get the other target and come back. But I don't like that aspect of it personally because I don't, I've, games like Metal Gear Solid because it usually is just a key objective where you can still be creative. There's never really a point other than waiting for a guard to move back and forth a couple times. I've never really been an instance in a stealth game where I literally have to sit here for minutes on end Maybe that's just because I'm going for the uh, and the completionist in me is like I need to do every objective before going on to the the next level rather than I don't know it's it's just it's it's a very daunting game to me when I go on to play it as much as I do enjoy playing it, like I find myself keep going back to it to play it because it is so fun I'd be lying if I didn't feel quite overwhelmed going into it when it's 
especially in the first in the first game there's a level it's like here's four targets go it's like what the fuck it's like, where do i even just begin? wait till you um play the berlin level and hit man free my guy see i can't wait to that because that's the one with the club isn't it that looks sick it is so i'll be, I'll be enjoying that but i said yeah so that is my criticism i know the response is well just fucking get good bro but <laughs> it, it's not a very it's, i don't think it's a new user friendly game especially for any of that i know there's a tutorial but the tutorial is very very bare bones of like there you go you get targets then you go to paris like good luck which in some regard <laughs> yeah. i respect because like you know be creative but i'm I, not very creative i quite like that though i like those but that's why because for me with hitman this i, I basically haven't played the other hitman games i i played hitman absolution was my first one and then it was oh, it no. was a lot smaller levels and stuff like that and i just was like oh, it's all right you know i'd seen friends play what i assume was probably blood money maybe uh but i just never never played it hitman 2016 comes out and that was the thing i, I was immediately like wow this this is really cool because it just goes here you're at a fashion event and here's a big ass building and your guys in there figure <laughs> out how to get them that's that's so cool and i really like that but then because of their stupid you know, what did they do? It was like a mission a month or something like that. Yeah, and I've it, got it was episodic. Yeah, I've got such a short attention span on games that if you, you know, right now I'm loving Hitman and I've been playing it for like, you know, two weeks or something, which is, in all honesty, quite a lot for me. Which <laughs> Like to just yeah. play one game for about two or three weeks, up to a month, you know. So I'm playing Hitman, just that one mission. And then I go, this is cool. And then eventually I start to get to the, the later challenges. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I can't be bothered doing this. I'd like to go into something else and come back. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, well. And that was the last of me touching any of those Hitman games. Um, until this one came out, obviously. And then it was just it was just the same thing again. When you're going into new missions, you're like, this is so cool. Because it's just a huge map. And, and it's sort of like... I always looked at it as it's kind of like a game of micromanagement. They're not trying to, like, I've seen reviewers complaining about, like, the realism of the AI, which never once occurred to me because it's not <laughs> going for realism. You know, it's it's a game that knows it's a game and it's all about learning the roots, memorizing where everyone is at any given time. But it's also, like, the funny moments of, like, watching someone try to figure out what happened to their mate who's lying on the floor knocked out and there's a smoosh <laughs> banana lying next to him. You know, <laughs> like what's happened to you, <laughs> and you know that there is obviously the, the like if it was real, someone's gonna recognize the fact that the lawyer they've been the family lawyer isn't the same guy they've been dealing with for however long <laughs> it's meant to be, and it's actually just a new guy. Or the fact that there's a train at the end where, you know, all of these people are guarding a a bald assassin who is known to disguise himself. <laughs> No one's going to be, you know, you're going to walk past somebody who doesn't really recognize you and you're a bald man, but they'll go, nah, it's all right. Nah, this, guy, this guy's cool. <laughs> you know, so there's bits like that within this game that are very, like, you know, it's not super realism. It's not, like, really advanced, but at the same time, it's just all about that, like, finding out what uniform gets me where, how's, what's the easiest way to get that, and then you're weaving a path from one level of restriction to another. And then once you've done all that, you can start to basically piece out how to do that without the uniforms. And then, you know, for me, like I'm at the point now, I'm trying to do the suit only runs. Oh, yeah. And it's like, how long do you stop at this point? And then like, who do you have to choke out? And 
you know, how long do you have? You knock this guy out, and if you really quickly turn him around the corner, that other guy won't see him. Um, and it's it's just for me, it's again, it's entirely based around like how much you're willing to put into it, like how much you want to play this level again and again and again. And luckily for me, I just I just really took to that, and because now I have all of the Hitman levels, I've still not played one and two because I'm playing. I've just keep going through. Um, Hitman three, I'm kind of desperate to get to the the mastery level of uh, quite a few of the missions. But yeah, I just the Sapienza level on Hitman one is awesome. I can't wait for you to play that. Yeah, that that I remember at the time when that came out as well. Everyone was like, "This is one of the best Hitman levels of all time." Is that the one with the underground facility and stuff? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, one. all Hitman maps seem to have an underground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one. From the ones I've played, that one's. Yeah, you suppose you're right. Well, but, Sam, see to you as someone who's played them before. Like, what is what is this one? How did this uh, trilogy shape up for you? This trilogy is is probably the best Hitman has ever been. It, it's a very different beast to the older games. As I say, it's they're a lot more brutal. There's not as much experimentation allowed as as these ones is. I mean, you can still definitely kill people in different ways and go about the level in in some regard to a much more freedom extent, but not as much as these games. Like the older games, you would get penalised like so much more for deviating from the plan. Like not to say those games weren't good because they definitely had stronger titles in them, but compared to this new trilogy, they've really like reshaped how Hitman is perceived. Like the idea of giving the player a essentially a mini open world mm-hmm. with so many different variations, NPCs, weapons, opportunities to to take. It's such a, a breath of fresh air for, for the genre and for the series as well. And I think Hitman 3 is definitely the best of them. I think it's taken the best gameplay aspects, refined them a little bit more. And the story as well, like I wasn't too bothered about the story in the last two installments. In these, it, it kind of added like a level of urgency. Like the opening cutscene was like something out of Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> Felt really intense and really liked like the cutting to the chase. And that's what I really enjoyed. And like going a bit further on the future of the genre, if IO Interactive are handling James Bond, then I think it's in perfect hands, oh, yeah. given what we've mm-hmm. seen in Hitman 3. Yeah, and I think this game, I don't know if the others are like this, but I was got getting some like major James Bond vibes from a lot of these levels, especially the last one. Um, yeah, that's that's what I thought of the last one as well. Uh, it was very like spies and stuff, it just kind of <laughs> a big bad train. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. There's definitely some kind of almost like homages to James Bond in a way in the other games. Um, there's a mission in Hitman 2 that's like it's a bit more Mission Impossible, like where you basically break into like like a CIA headquarters, and it's like you're playing Mission Impossible. And I'm pretty sure I can't remember. There's almost a homage to the um, moment where you have to go hack the uh, computer in Mission Impossible. There's all these little like nuances to the mm-hmm. famous spies in movies and stuff like that. But <laughs> this new one definitely chalks it up more to James Bond. Yeah, I think I've just felt victim to. This is not a this is not like a detractor of the game. How much have you let me and Aaron have done? Well, you, obviously you played the Paris level, but I got Hitman 1 on PS Plus and Hitman 2 off the path. There is a lot of content here. Yeah. Once you've imported everything and you put it up and it's like, you go to destinations, like, where do you even begin? <laughs> so I, I did the first level of Hitman 3 because I was like, I want to see what this is all about. And I was like, okay, now I want to experience the story. And I've done a couple of levels in Hitman 1 and I'm like, oh, the story's shite. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. You don't really need it. I don't No, think so I was like, I think 
either but then if i choose to just start hopping around levels i know there's gonna be levels i won't go to because i'm like oh they don't look fun but then when you get into them they actually are better than like what they look like i think in hitman 1 especially because i think i finished all the levels and that a couple of those levels are quite dull not dull but i just think the first level the paris one to me is actually the most fun in that game just i like the vibe the atmosphere is really cool the second one is also really fun as well but I, I just I'm more about the levels. All the levels have a lot of NPCs kicking about, and it's they're all very like populated. But the ones where it's kind of more condensely populated, like the one in the first level in Hitman Three, where there's just so many people initially, and then you start going to the, like the outskirts to try and get your way around. That stuff's more appealing to me than the like, the level where you have four targets in the first game. I just couldn't get into that. It's bit. Especially because I know what they're going for in that level is like you can't go anywhere without a disguise on, which is cool. But it just it made that made it feel a bit more. I don't know, it made it feel less Hitman that level to me because it was like most of the other levels you have a basis to walk around without being mm-hmm. caught. So you can you can always you know you can just walk around and something like you can't come through this way. And like, okay, right, I'll remember that. I need a disguise for that. Whereas that level, I don't know if any other levels are like this. It's just no, you can't do anything, and it like crosses its arms, like <laughs> you figure it out, and it's like, okay, that makes you want to just skip it and go into something else. But I think I think maybe it is a game. If I keep playing it, I will just get better, and I won't rely on the mission stories as much. I won't rely on because I think I just get I, I keep relying too much on the game guiding me, like the mission yeah. stories. I think I might just start avoiding them. Because it's hard not to, because you walk past them, it's like, oh, there's a mission story, go on. <laughs> like, no, I'm, like, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. But, yeah, uh, I, think yeah, I don't the, know. I was kind of tempted to go for the, the master difficulty that takes them off, I'm sure. Because that, that was the one element to me. Like, I wasn't feeling brave enough to take them off, but I was kind of like, I wish you would just tell me, look for this. And then I was mm-hmm. like, well, where would that be? And I'm having to logically think about it and be like, well, if I'm looking for, like, a a uniform i'd go to the changing room so now i'm looking for the changing area for the for the staff or something like mm-hmm. that you know um but there's just it was very like right go to this marker now and you follow it around and then there it is right there okay right go to this marker now and you're running back and i think like after a while you know like i i done one of the 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 detective storylines um on the, I think it's the second mission in, in Hitman 3, and then I stupidly, like, there was basically, there was one thing, one or two things you had to do to finish that storyline, and then I just was like, fuck it, I'm gonna shoot this woman, she's right there, <laughs> and I shot her, and now it's like, oh, you need to play through that story still to get, like, your mm. master, you know, mastery and all this, and I'm like, I can't be bothered, because it's really slow in comparison, whereas, like, you know, once you start to learn the levels, it's all about going and doing it as quickly and slickly as you can you know and those levels just sometimes they do take a while but like at the same time i i think this game is all about patience mm-hmm. like you need to have patience to play this game and some people probably won't like that i actually i mentioned in the review like that i had missions where i was like i've found a way up here and i'm gonna sit in this i've got a private <laughs> room a hidden room and i'm gonna wait here for like until she comes up because I know she comes in here at one point and I literally waited five minutes but I was kind of sitting there like almost like you know if you're a wee kid and you're about to give like your parents a fright or something just sitting there going no, no. <laughs> they'll be here any minute and it's an hour and a half later you know? I <laughs> but, think um, I, sorry on you go no no that was me <laughs> okay I was good I think going off that I think this game could benefit from a hint system rather than having those mission stories where 
which there are levels to it, but it's reliant on the difficulty. So it's like, okay, you can either pick, I'm going to have a marker that shows me where, I, where it is, or you can have like a vague marker. So rather like say on easiest difficulty, it's like, you need a waiter disguise, here it is. And the next difficulty is like, you need a disguise that'll get you into the kitchen. And then the third one, which I've not played in the highest difficulty, but to what I understand, there's just nothing. I think it would be better if you remove that, still still have the mission stories like buried in the challenges so you can see, you know, if they're there and have them as like, I think it's just the, the challenges as well, the way they do it, it it's just kind of weird how clear they are about it. Like, they'll be like, drown them in the toilet, here's some XP, kill them with your fibre wire. And then you, if you are trying to get those mastery levels, which I really do like that about the game, whereas... It, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the next level and it's like, oh, you've unlocked a, a sniper and a sniper point, so you can maybe try and go, okay, well, I guess I'm going back in. I think that's one of the best parts about it. Mm-hmm. Keeps you going back. But I just, I think it'd be so beneficial if there was an option to does the same thing, it puts you in, take away the mission stories, you walk around if you're completely stuck, and you're like, I don't even know where to begin, press a button, and it just starts to kind of, like what they used to do in like the point and click games, like Mon- Monkey Island and stuff, just drip feeds you clues. And if you really, and you know, and you have like stages to those clues, so it's like one, you know, here's a vague clue, here's a slightly less vague clue, here's how you do it. I don't know if you, if that's me just being, you know, pathetic, but. <laughs> <laughs> My worry for Sterling, if you do buy these games and you want to play the other ones, me and Aaron talked about this the other day, like in private, like porting the missions oh from oh Hitman God. 1 and 2 is such a weird process. I was so confused. Um, <laughs> I, I don't envy anyone who has to do that. So still, if you do bite men free and you think, you know what, I'd like the other missions, please contact like an Wait, adult what or do you something. Mean? <laughs> you to buy the game and play? <laughs> no, well, you you get the Hitman three levels in the game, but the about Hitman two. If you own Hitman one and two, you can import those levels into the Hitman three engine. But like to buy them though, because Hitman two is still priced more than what I paid for. Hitman 3 for some reason. <laughs> what? So it's like you go into the store and it's like... That, that makes sense. Uh, it's like Hitman 2, buy that for 57 I was like, I bought this game for £55. Why yeah. are you try it charging me more I, for a two-year-old They game? should have released a Hitman 3 like, legacy edition that was an extra, at most an extra tenner, which got you Hitman 1 and 2. Because Hitman 1 was free, and it's you can get it so cheap and now. And, Hitman and 2 has been cheap for ages. Like, it's yeah, I just missed deals. it. But even uh, with Hitman 1, if you have the base version, which was the PS Plus one, they give you the Game of the Year edition for free uh-huh. once you import yeah. it into Hitman 3. But Hitman 2, again, it crosses its arms like, no, fuck you, go pay for it. So I borrowed <laughs> it off my friend, like I said, but even that, that you don't get the Game of the Year content with that, which... Are they... Hit- hmm? Go on, go on. No, I was going to say, Hitman 3 prices that content alone at £35. Like, yeah. the, the, the DLC, which is... I, I think... Especially now that they're distributing their own game and they've got, you know, they don't really have anyone to answer to. They could have, it would have been bold and maybe they would, I don't know if it would have been profitable, but if, I know they've already sold well, this is stupid, but if they came out and said, yeah, anyone who buys Hitman 3, you get Hitman 1 and 2, all the levels, everything's here. This is the only Hitman game you need. Rather than putting in Hitman 1, downloading the Hitman 1 pack, Mm -hmm. putting in Hitman 2, downloading the Hitman 1 and 2 pack, going in Hitman 3, doesn't (laughs) understand what's going on. Then you go back to Hitman 2. Then you find out the Hitman 2 PS... No, the Hitman 2 PlayStation Now game doesn't so count confused. as Hitman 2. So you have to get Hitman 2 off your friend. <laughs> Mate, you should yeah. read the webs. The website reads like a joke. It reads like yeah. a click article. What I want to know is, like, 
I haven't got Hitman 1 or 2 installed, mm. but you can access those missions just by activating that pass when you do figure out how to do it. Are the <laughs> missions already pre-installed on the game? Yeah, I think so. Well, that's, They're all there. Yeah, because it's like the, the after you've installed all the stuff, I then was able to delete Hitman 1 and 2, and the mm. entire package of all three games is only 60 gig, yeah. I think, which was round about yeah. what that game was anyway. Because they were boasting about the, they had this um, program that let them compact older maps into smaller files. That's pretty bullshit that like the <laughs> maps are literally fucking on the game yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> and all it needs is just a pass to go, yeah, you can play it if you want. Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> just the fact Hitman 1, they're basically giving away for free Yeah, at this point. It, 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 was, it was just such a hassle like because if mm. I, you know, if, if Sam wasn't directing me on how to, <laughs> to, how to do it <laughs> and I didn't care enough to... You know, if I was just like, ah, I'd like to try them out. Whereas, like, I was sitting there going, I want, really want to play Hitman 1 and 2. And then, you know, I, I took me quite a bit of time to finally get it. And, you know, like you're saying, download the first one, install that stuff. Download the second one, install the second stuff and the first stuff. And then into 3 and do the same. So, like, it's a lot of hassle for anybody that's just sitting there going, I would like to try them out. They might just go, oh, you know what, I'll, can, just, I'll just leave for, it. For Sterling's sake, can I read? I'll skim it what the okay. website says you do. <laughs> so once you get halfway down the page, this is this is after they've covered how many editions of the game there are, how you take you know, how you transfer your saved data, you get to the access pass FAQ. You get Hitman Free allows players to access locations from the previous games in the trilogy. Half-Life 1 and <laughs> Half-Life. Oh my god, I went yeah, Half-Life 3. <laughs> Hitman it just because it said H yeah. <laughs> Half-Life 3 is included in the pack. And it's like, essentially we have set up Hitman 1 and 2 as DLC for Hitman 3. It makes sense so far. You can buy or redeem, download an access pass and get access to its content within Hitman 3. For example, if you buy the Hitman 2 standard access pass <laughs> DLC for Hitman 3, you'll get access to the locations and missions included in the Hitman 2 standard edition within Hitman 3. Cool, whatever. Then they're like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then it's the how to get it. Consoles. If you own a physical disc copy of Hitman 2, you will be able to download the access pass for no additional cost for the Hitman 2 in-game store. And you're like, okay. And then it's like, if you have previously downloaded the Hitman 1 Legacy Pack, Hitman 1 Game of the Year Pack, or Hitman 1 Game of the Year Upgrade for Hitman 2, you will be able to download it for no additional cost. Yes, that's a free upgrade to the Game of the Year edition. The price for the access pass will be listed as free when you look for it in the store. What store? <laughs> <laughs> I just, this is the in-game store it's, it's clear <laughs> and then they start telling you how to get it on the switch uh no because that was the thing that sam was doing sam was sending me screenshots <laughs> and been like yeah look at this you just go along to that and it says free and i was like it's not saying free for me why is it not saying free for me <laughs> did, did you so like i i actually had to download the ps4 version on my ps4 which i'm currently using to play vr mm -hmm. games and when i booted that up all I could hear was the do 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 do, like every trophy just like that there because I'd played the entire game normally by this point, and it just came through a constant flow of like every single trophy I'd earned. Um, what what did see for the VR? I I'm of two minds about it because I was when they announced that I was I was over the moon because like I love VR and I think like it's something that I'd love to see more AAA titles going to and. Mm -hmm. So, and when they showed the wee trailer, I was thinking Hitman is the perfect game for VR. It would be amazing. And like it, playing it as well, 
one of the biggest problems I have with VR is when you have free motion, does it make you sick? VR, uh, playing in Hitman didn't make me sick. Whereas, you know, I also just reviewed Swords of Gargantia and that had me, like, I had to take my headset off and I was, like, <laughs> sitting there like, oh, I don't know if I can go, like, I need to take a, a half-hour breather, <laughs> otherwise I'm going to spew all over the living room. But, um, yeah, in those respects, I was like, I'm so excited for this, this is going to be amazing. And then when I booted up, because I had deliberately stayed away from any announcements about it after that, because I think VR is such a hard game thing to sell. You show a trailer, nine times out of ten, people were like, that looks a bit shit, to be yeah, honest. You can't sell it. But it's not until you're there, and even the, the what looks like the shittest graphics on a trailer, on like a flat screen, when you're in there, it's really immersive. It doesn't matter, really. And to have all that, and then I go into it, and it's like, yeah, you need to use your DualShock 4. And you're like, what, man? Like, you have the move controllers, just use the move controllers. So you didn't know that going in, you had to use the DualShock? Nope. Oh, and I'm so sorry. That was a real slap in the face, <laughs> and that genuinely... So I've only played about an hour's worth of the VR because of that, because I was just like, you know, you're, you're holding your remote, and your two hands are spazzing all over the place, going through your body, <laughs> and like the most awkward movements, and you know, you're supposed to reach out, and you're holding the remote with a gun, as a gun, which is a yeah. little bit awkward sometimes, and your other arm just disappears, and then you put it back, and then it's, it's alongside, and it's like your hands are holding a remote that isn't there, and it just... Yeah. And then there was a point where there was a guy lying. <laughs> you know, I'm, in, I'm playing the mission in Dubai. There's a, there's a guard that's sleeping in one of the security stations just below the penthouse. And I go up behind him and I'm like, you know what? I don't care about the score. I want to choke a guy out with the, <laughs> with the, the garret wire. And I go, I sling it over him. I pull back and it goes straight through him. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I try and do it again, straight through him. And I'm just sitting there flapping this wire through this guy which isn't it just wasn't registering until my hand you know skiffed off his ear and then he wakes up and then i'm caught it's just it felt so awkward because i feel like if this game had the motion control support it could be the best vr game ever and i don't think that's a an exaggeration yeah i have the i have like the exact opposite Oh. Not feelings that have gone up to us with Sam Sterling. Once I've had this tirade, I want to see if this sounds even appear because I know you aren't really into VR at all. But from what me and Aaron said, I want to know if like, after I've had this Kyle's VR corner, if it sounds <laughs> like, oh, that does sound pretty sick. But I knew... So when this got announced, I couldn't give a shit. I was like, oh, they'll fuck it up. Most AAA studios fuck up VR. Well, from sometimes. Then you get Resident <laughs> Evil 7, which is amazing. But I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be just like a, a bonus mode. And more came out about it, and I was like, no, it's the full game. I was like, okay, that's cool. But you have to use the DualShock. I was like, okay, that's shit. So I, I, and I, I had no plans on buying Hitman at all until I saw VR gameplay. I was like, even with that aside, it still looks fun. I was like, you know what, might as well. We're in lockdown, I'll give it a bash. And first of all, like graphically, this is, even aside from PSVR, maybe Half-Life Alex takes the edge, but I think this is the best well, I, I don't know how it looks on the PS4, but on the PS5, this is the best looking VR game I've ever played. It is stunning. There's no blur. Every, apart from, there is popping, because they don't, you'd expect them to kind of like tone down the NPCs to compensate, but they don't. They keep everything in, but they just have it pop in if you look too quickly to the left or the right, mm-hmm. which is weird, but I think it's a it's a fair sacrifice to have all these NPCs in these levels, because like having all these kind of people around you is so important. But like, like Aaron said, I think if this game had motion controllers, this would be the best VR game ever made. Even I think it would be better than Half-Life Alex because 
when you're holding the jewel shot you're just so desperate to go pick things up with your hands and hit people with things and i've seen people because i watch a lot of vr channels and they've said no it'd be too complicated to implement it into this game but they've done half the work there is this game has motion control I, from i thought it wasn't going to have any motion controls and it was just going to be you press a button like you're controlling buzz Lightyear by hitting him on the back <laughs> it's like you press a button <laughs> and he karate chops somebody but no it literally his right arm is it's it's motioned with your dual shock mm-hmm. so I just, I, it's kind of baffling to me. They literally need to add in an extra arm and they're there. <laughs> I, I know it sounds stupid. Like, the, for if you put PlayStation VR, the controllers are still using the PS moves from the PlayStation 3. So they're super outdated and they don't have analog sticks. But The Walking Dead made it work. So many games have made, you can just, sky, you can play Skyrim on the PSVR with a move controller. So you can certainly play Hitman. And I guarantee you, when this comes to PC, it's going to have full motion controls. It just is. Because with PlayStation VR, I get it's dated, it's really dated hardware, but a lot of the time developers just think, oh, well, maybe it is difficult, but they just kind of cut corners. And I hate saying that because this game does anything but cut corners with the VR because they've done so much to make it just function. But I just, I go to play it and I really enjoy playing it in VR, but like Aaron, I'm like, I'd rather just play it on a flat screen because it's easier to control. And I know like, there's so many times I failed a mission because I go to choke somebody out and I just like, punch the wall in front of them there's a hey what was that i'm just sitting flailing my controller about it's just mm. so counterintuitive but then it's just counterbalance with you're you're in dubai and it's like crystal clear and you can see everything Look you're like holy shit yeah yeah it's like how have they done this on a ascent i mean even on playing it on ps5 it's backwards compatibility like, how have they done this on a playstation 4 it's insane yeah but i just hope to god because they've already said they're doing dlc please just if, if this game gets full motion controls because i i moved off psvr to play oculus quest because having like and coming back to this the, the issues with psvr and those setting that thing up is like putting <laughs> oh. something on life support uh, like there's wires ridiculous. going across your floor there's a camera adapter <laughs> your camera has to be exactly in line with your eyes or it's going to throw a hissy fit whereas the oculus you just chuck it on and it works regardless if you're playing it off a computer so I mean, Hitman aside, if this if this game doesn't get a full motion control support on the PlayStation and then comes to PC in the future and it's like, yep, you can play it with controllers like PSVR is like shit the bed with that. I, yeah, that's gonna I, be such I think bad that press. Just shows, like you were saying though, with their controllers, those rumors. There's always rumors going about about the PSVR sequel two or whatever, mm-hmm. and that needs to be the thing that they they do is the controllers. They need to have analog yeah. sticks. I think because it needs to happen soon, but because if well, not, I think, if they it, don't I release... think it might happen this year because this is its yeah, fifth, it has to fifth year. Since if they don't, Oculus Quest to run like Oculus are just running away with it. Well, like, yeah, because Oculus it. Quest you don't even need a PC, do you? Nope, and it's three hundred pound. Yeah, see, like I, I, I actually think I saw something about it the other week, and I was thinking about just getting that because the only reason I'm fine with my PlayStation now is because I've got my PS Five. I'm able mm-hmm. to just have my ps4 set up with the vr in a different room yeah whereas you know like when you couldn't just have your psvr set up in you know your living room or something all the time because it's it's, it's a state like you're saying with the wires and stuff and then if you are tidying it up then it's it's not like you can on a whim go i'm gonna jump on a vr game for 20 minutes yeah. oh well uh, you need to spend 20 minutes setting it up first then you can get to that 20 minutes and you just go oh well i can't be bothered Which, anymore if it had full motion controls then it would be like that's worth the setup because I'd be yeah. in this for hours. Mm-hmm. So 
that was Kylan Adams VR corner, Sam Sterling. <laughs> are, you, are you sold on VR yet? <laughs> it is still in Solomon Hitman. I don't know. Are you going to play Persona? Oh, shit. What I'm trying to say to you, Sterling, is that Hitman 3 is my Persona 5 oh, right now. Ooh. Good God. One insult to Persona 5. I'm joking. <laughs> I will look at it on the Play Store. It's the pursuit force of this generation. It's, yeah, it's just like I look at the exactly. Persona 5 on my dashboard exactly. and then play Hitman 3. One day I'll play it. I'm glad I got to vent my <laughs> VR frustration. Yeah. This, this like should be the official three. announcement of a new podcast. Yeah. Our new podcast. Can you play Persona 5 in VR? I fucking wish. I don't care what the game is. You, I, that's not a Hitman 3 proves any game works in VR. Like that's it. There's no <laughs> pursuit fault. Literally, yes. There is no debate about this anymore. <laughs> a third person game, which has always been third person, now works as a first person VR game. So if you could that's, if like, you could choose huge. one game and or a franchise and put it in VR, what would it be? Ooh. Uh aside <laughs> from Pursuit Four. No, it would. I'd, I it would. Dog's life. It's, dog's life is like, and like you put, you strap Once the controllers the to the your character. legs and you lift them up to do a piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my mum comes in like, hey, why are you literally shitting on the carpet? I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm not doing it. It's VR, mum. <laughs> but no, it's. I would. I don't know how it would work, but it, it would have to be a Final Fantasy game. I just don't know. How, I don't know how they do it. It'd probably be shit. I just love to see like Final Fantasy Seven or in some aspect. I'd, it has to be games that I've grown up with, and then seen them, and that like they released this really shit Kingdom Hearts VR thing, which is basically just like you sat there and watched Kingdom Hearts things happen around you, and it was very cursed. But still, like being in the Kingdom Hearts world in VR is like this is like if I told my seven year old self this was gonna happen one day, I'd be like, nah, there's no way. But uh, we're at the new, point. It's, new pitch it's, idea. It's Legend of Zelda should be in VR. Yeah, well, oh my god, mate, you can play Breath of the Wild and Switch. It's not Lab really the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm As much as I go on about VR, I don't actually like, still compare to a flat screen game, and I play VR a lot less. But uh, yeah. when, I, like, when I do play it, I am just continuously impressed by it. Have you... And I'm pretty sure GTA 5 VR is going to be coming to PlayStation VR 2. That's Kyle's quote of the week. Oh. Get this book marked. <laughs> See you next year. See if I if I had to have one game and sort of bringing it back to the stealth topic a little, <laughs> uh, I would I would pick Alien Isolation for for my game in VR just because I I am obsessed. Like I love the Alien franchise and or more the the first two and then some of the later ones, but um, I think that could be could be great because it's all about immersion to me and like. One of my, although I love the stupid games, like I'm playing Pistol Whip now, which is great. What fun. a game! Um, Beat Saber, love it. Um, yeah. I think uh, my favorite game though would probably be Resident Evil Seven, and I've that was my first entry into the series. I'd never played a Resident Evil game before, and mm-hmm. I played it entirely in VR, and it was the scariest thing I'd ever done <laughs> in my life. I couldn't even walk through the door in the first mission, like. I was just like, nah, this looks all too real. It's so immersive. And then that for me was just like, wow, like I need games like this. And I think Alien Isolation would be the perfect embodiment of that because I could fan out about all the, oh, look, it's the little 
duck thing that dips in the water and you've got your you know you can hold your scanner and it's beeping in the corridors and the vents and all that but then also it'd just be really terrifying and you know you can play it on the pc in vr you don't say these things to me though (laughs) because i don't have a pc (laughs) bro see on the oculus quest you can hack it to play doom 3 in vr I'd rather die, but it's possible. <laughs> um, I don't know if they've done this already, but if they did, like, if this means they have to bring the franchise back from the dead, but if they bring either the rock band or guitar or franchises back, have they already done they VR? Did, they that? did a rock band VR, and then it just, like, nothing ever came of it. I don't even know how oh, to access so it. so much potential with that. It's, like, nothing ever came of it. Because rhythm games are just rampant. Like, if you, if you make a... Yeah, like if you make a new Guitar Hero peripheral that links up with your VR headset in some capacity, which, again, I see this, I, I, I'm fucking game development's easy, come on. But, you know, <laughs> like for the PlayStation VR, you'd basically just put a light bulb on and that seems what to, they do with everything else. And it's like if you're, you know, on stage playing your guitar or whatever, like that'd be that'd be sick. I want it, let's go. Why? Oh, come on. Pursuit Force, Rock Band... Zelda, Do- an dogs alien, life. dogs like yeah, don't. I'll get smell it. vision VR. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, that's yeah. I don't know. Just bring everyone in VR. We need a switch. That, that's my dream. Is on PlayStation Five and PSVR Two, whatever. There's literally a button. It's like, yeah, you can play us in VR. Fuck it. Why not? Uh, Make like, me shit. See what happens. <laughs> just yeah. put on your head. It's just all the characters T posing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cyberpunk. I'm waiting for that VR mod to. Kill us all. <laughs> See, quickly, to go on a complete tangent and possibly um, rouse up the masses, I've next to no idea as to what Persona Ooh. 5 is. Sterling, take it from here. Me too! Oh, Me too! <laughs> How long was last you episode? Your last day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll need to redo it. I've um, heard lots about it. I keep been like hearing people been like, it's the best thing ever, and then it's like... Gold editions or something? I'm confused. Is that uh, is that a new need, game or is that an Persona old game? Five Royal? That's all you need. Royal. That was it. The Royal yeah. Edition. Is that's, that? It's, a ba- new it's game? basically a game of the year edition. That's not a game of the year edition. It's just a better Persona Five in every single way. Is if it, that makes sense? Nah. <laughs> but, I don't but, know. It's so like it came out before. Persona Five is an old. Persona. F- Stone, you're probably about this. Like, what is Persona Five Royal? It is Persona Five. Um, it has added content. Like, there's probably like. 50 hours more of the game there's just added gameplay stuff there's um some things are like better nuanced um no no nothing is like it's just gameplay things are better like some of the stuff that was unbalanced or yeah it is weird it's kind of it is in some ways like a redraft it's like Persona 5 was already a masterpiece and then they came out and was like, okay, we've made it better. Yeah. Here you go. It's like, okay, thanks. It's it's just always been one of those games I hear about all the time and oh, it's just kind of like smiling, smiling wave, boys. Smiling wave uh, and that's We it. gave Sam a bollocking <laughs> last episode. It was horrible. <laughs> we were like, me, me and Stern are like, hey, Persona 5, Final 5 soon. And Sam's like, Pursuit 4. And then <laughs> it went from there. What I'm what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> is, is Rockstar's bully just Persona Five? <laughs> I, bully was before my time. <laughs> I never I never got to play that. 
That's a thought that just came I mean, into my head, thinking about how you described Persona 5 to I mean, me Bully time. is a great game, but no. <laughs> I get what you mean, because, you know, I mean, they both go to school. Exactly. You, you get, you're getting me. Yeah, you're but on my way. In the words of Gino DeCampo, <laughs> if my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. Like, Classic. You know, <laughs> you can't just force Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I just did. What it's if, on the box what now, I've already made it what happen. What Pursuit Force had, like, <laughs> uh, school, and then you're, like, going to people's... You do, it's called the tutorial, my guy. <laughs> I hate this game so much. I hate it. It's brought so much hatred to this cast. <laughs> Don't talk about masterpieces like when that. When Persona 6 comes out, they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna compare to it to us- Pursuit Force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what the single the title Force laid the ground for like the next fifteen years of game development. You know, can I to bring it? Bring Are you sure you don't want to stay on tangent. this? I'll try. You're trying to say Force is not stealth, my guy. Don't know. You tell me. You, you can you can use as your question. Do you want to know answer. how? You, do you want to know how you make it stealth? I can tell you. Ah, <sighs> go on. Do you want? Do you want to? Know? Yeah, well, no. Just turn the vol. Just turn the volume. Off. Just turn the game off. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just switch your television off. Close your eyes. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the best bet. That's why I said to Sam when he was like, oh, I've got 2,000 hours on my PlayStation. I was like, how much of that's Pursuit for? I, I wish it was on the PlayStation. I it wish. your PSP. I was just going to ask what everyone's... I know Sterling doesn't play any stealth games, but maybe for Sterling, what is either your favourite stealth game or a favourite game that ha- actually had stealth in it and didn't, you know, make it shit? Um... Dishonored 2 is the only answer to this question. Here we are, brought it back for you. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to be rambling about this the whole episode one hour later, not mentioned. <laughs> I'm good at this. <laughs> um, Dishonored 2 is, I mean, I love the first game, but I just think the second is a far more refined, not even just like gameplay-wise, story-wise, it is a little better in my opinion. Um, But yeah, I actually done a whole video on uh, like the non-lethal angle for stealth games uh, for like the B- BBC The Social and it kind of stems from it, it, I think it links into stealth games quite well so like with Dishonored 2 you have the choice of one of the whole things like you can play the whole game non-lethally it's just choking people out and all this kind of stuff but it actually has like implementations to to the gameplay the narrative and stuff like that so like if you for example in the first game if you kill more people then it's during the rat plague, more rats will show up and more dead bodies and all this kind of stuff. And then, like, in the this game, like, if you don't kill a guy and you just follow him, then you can hear him, like, people have conversations with one another and they'll start talking about a secret passage or a, you know, a, a hidden vault or all this kind of stuff. So it's, like, not just a really good, fun stealth game because you have your powers so you can, like, freeze time and zap your way up to the top of a ledge and all this kind of stuff. And it's, like, enemies are quite alert. So it is really intense like that, and you're trying to figure out how to get past all these areas. But then it also isn't just like like we've been saying with these other games where it's thrown in. It's just like you're you basically just need to sneak past them, and that's it. But it's like by sneaking past people, you actually are influencing the story. You're actually, um, you know, gaining things and finding new secrets within the levels, which is really really cool. And just that that's what you need because. I think for a lot of, like we were saying with, like, the patience of Hitman, it's like, people can't be bothered 
playing stealthily, I think. I think for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, try and be stealthy. Oh, no, I've been Bingo. found out. Oh, well, I've got to slaughter everyone. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's what it is for a lot of people. But then see if you make it worth their while to actually be stealthy. That makes it so much more involving. And I think that's exactly what Dishonored 2 does. Metal Gear Solid 5 is a pretty good mention as well for this. Although, I will put in a caveat. I never completed this game because it started making me replay old, like, different missions. Like, it, it, it's like it gets to a point where it's like, okay, now start doing this mission again. And I was like, what? Yeah, it's a weird, <laughs> weird so, choice in MGS5. But I, I suppose they've cut half the game out, so... Yeah, so I just, I just patched it from there, but they have the mother base system which is a really cool inclusion because it's like right i know you can kill this guy but look at his stats he's actually an a plus in this department uh knock him out send him in the 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 fulton device or whatever it's called back to your base now he's your employee and he's helping you develop better weapons better outfits cool. better tech better weapon uh sorry vehicles and all this kind of stuff yeah like that's really cool and that makes you be stealthy but then also if you decide Actually, I'm going to be stealthy, but I'm actually going to kill everyone as well. If you start doing too many of the same things, like if you start turning up at night all the time, eventually the guys will start wearing night vision goggles. If you go for mm-hmm. headshots all the time, eventually they start wearing metal helmets or like body armor and all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's so, so cool. So if you <laughs> stop showing up, well, they stop showing up. And you, come, <laughs> you come back well, so, a month well, later and like, God, yes. mate. <laughs> um, But yeah, exactly. It's like, I think it's just, to make a good stealth game, it's all about not just making it, it's not just sneaking, it's more than that. It's like, also, it just influences so much about the game and, and you get more from the game by doing that other than just the experience factor because like, Alien Isolation, as much as I love it, that is like, there's no, there's no like, two ways about playing that game. It's like, you have to be stealthy and yeah. you're just sneaking under desks and stuff like that. But that is the whole immersion side of it where you're sitting in the edge of your seat and your blood's pumping. But then, Games like Metal Gear have that, or Dishonored have that, but then also you have all these other things to consider that just make it so so cool. But Dishonored too, that that's that's like my favorite, one of my favorite games of last gen. I was just thinking about Dishonored, like oh that's such a shout. I've only played the first one, but um, it is such a shout. I'm just thinking about it. But uh, yeah, favorite stealth game. You know, I've talked about it a lot on many episodes, and I'm, I'm gonna do it again. It's Metal Gear Solid Two. It has yeah. to be. Never played just... it. Oh, oh come on, guys. <laughs> I, I know PS Now like, sucks ass, but you can play it on PS Now. <laughs> you can play it on there. Um, it's the HD collection version as well by Bluepoint, which is it's not it's not a bad remaster either. But yeah, Metal Gear Solid 2, not only are the mechanics and stuff in that just golden in it, just the way the story is told in that is so just unique and special and i think we mentioned it on the last podcast i don't know if you brought it up kyle about kind of the later half of the game and how it starts to like really warp the player's perspective mm-hmm. of how you're involved with the game and how you actively participate in that experience that's just one thing that the game does so well and there's, there's so many moments i can think back on like fighting the metal gear rays towards the end and Oh, so much. Even though there's some mods as of recently, I really are. This is an odd tangent. Uh, people started modding Joe Biden into the final <laughs> fight. <laughs> so solid as Snake now has Joe Biden's face. Oh, for like the sword fight at the end. Yeah, yeah, for the sword fight. Oh, fuck you. You know, because his swords are called Democrat and Republican. Yeah, that, I forgot that. You didn't have to remind me of that. Uh, 
It's, but um, if that didn't put you off, playing Metal Gear Solid Two, it's it's unreal and it's like synonymous with one of the biggest bait and switches ever in a game, and even then, it's still fantastic. And the story is good, as much as that is very very cringe. Yeah, that, it does it does have it does have quite important things to say, you know. Whereas whereas uh, like Metal Gear Solid Five edged towards saying something and then just made you play the nah. game again. Yeah, I, I'm too much of a like. I, I like to think of myself as a new age gamer. I basically got my my Xbox in two thousand and nine. I'd been playing like a lot of Wii games and PS two and PS one for the past like ten, you know, ten fifteen years before that. And then like two thousand and nine, I get my Xbox three sixty, and then I like that's when I really got into games, and I was playing everything mm-hmm. past that point. Whereas all the you know like I didn't really play any of the Grand Theft Autos until I, I like I had a shot of gta 4 at my mate's house because i just when i was younger i was playing you know co-op 007 games with my brother or cell damage and spy versus spy all this stupid stuff star wars games whereas so i never really got into those like more adult ones and then i'm also a bit of a snob when it comes to going back to older games because i'm just like because people have been going about like oh you should go and play resident evil 4 i played resident evil 2 remaster and i loved it I played I've three, recently. and I thought Great it was game. okay. And then I'm everyone goes on about four, so I was like, ah, well, I can't wait for four. And they're like, yeah, you should just go and get it. You like, you can buy it on the store. It's like the HD remaster. It's really, really good. And I was like, nah, I'm just gonna wait because I don't want to play that. <laughs> on... <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'll just wait till the, the fourth one comes out. I think it will as well. I think that'll be next year, probably. Yeah, probably. Bad so, enough. Um, yeah, um, that's that's. That's me, like, all the gamers are going to hate me now because they're going to be like, my fake one. Playing Metal Gear Solid 1 to 4 is, like, the best gaming experience you can ever have. Like, that overarching story is so crazy, but it still works. And I can't, if you can get access to all four games, which is sadly, well, you can get 2, 3, and 4 on PS now, I think. 1 is just yeah, and, um, gone. Peace Walker as well, that's on the... Isn't the first yeah. game on... Uh, there you go. I, I, no, I wish that... classic or whatever you can get those things anywhere here oh yeah it's true i mean or just buy a raspberry <laughs> pi i do not condone piracy <laughs> but... an actual raspberry pi <laughs> yeah just get a pi yeah. i'm not talking about like the <laughs> computer but yeah i do not can i get any other way to like word the bad like, they've Gears... just um they've just put them on gog aren't they on pc but they do need a bit of patching oh, to to be a bit more better optimized. I mean, I played a bit of MGS one a couple of weeks back when I bought. Oh, it. I didn't realize um, the first one was put on there as well. Yeah, MGS one, MGS two, Substance, uh, and then one of the older ones, the first one, um, the first ever one, Metal Gear, that's been put on there. You can get it on GameCube. Do... Yeah, you can get the Twin Snakes. <laughs> you can get the really remake. hard to get a hold of, but it exists. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you've got a PC like you, and it's got like decent specs you can easily run it to yeah. fairly old games anyway you owe it to yourself to play you do <laughs> mgs one, one two three one four uh, yeah it's like my answer is like metal gear solid five let's 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 try and word this in like a really wanky way but <laughs> metal gear solid five is my favorite metal gear game but metal gear solid 2 is my favorite metal gear solid game oh uh... <laughs> clip it clip it and ship it <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think the mechanics in Metal Gear Solid Five is weirdly out of control. It gets with 
making replay missions, running out of story because it gets cut. The actual gameplay in that game is so good. Every yeah. element of it is perfect. Like, it's just like say what you will about Kojima, but he knows how to make a solid mechanical game. Mm-hmm. Weird as Death Stranding is, the mechanics in it are solid. Other what the game's the going for. Mechanics. Yeah, that's great. Play off him, alright. He's had a rough couple of years, alright. <laughs> <laughs> He's going through some stuff. I never fought anyone in Death Stranded, to be honest, son. Apart from like took me the like boss. Fifteen hours, and actually, it's one of those games that I'll still consider myself to be playing, but I haven't touched it in like close to a year. And I think I'm like thirty hours in, something like that. I think I had fifty when I went on it the other day. You, oh, wait, you guys yeah, haven't beat it? I still think of it relatively. Oh, okay. No, I've, yeah. I've, me and Sam have None of you have experienced that. Just me hitting well, it. With I, I finished that game at like 5 a.m. in the yeah, morning. Yeah, you have to put aside a whole day to finish it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like, I was really enjoying it, and I think it's it, it does a really cool thing of making the environments an actual obstacle. Like, you know, it's a re- realistic landscape where you're having to actually consider, like, how am, how am I going to get over that hill? I've never stood a river in a game and, like, how do I cross this river? <laughs> That's really, <laughs> that's really, really cool. But then it was the scripted moments that just, whenever, when it started to introduce gun, gunplay, when you mm. went back to like World War Two bits, those bits I found insanely boring. Like oh, I I they were just, so cool. I just couldn't. Oh, that that literally killed any enthusiasm I had for the game every time they oh, happened. Oh man, you've you've got to finish it. Yeah. You owe it to yourself to just set it. aside a day. You thing is with Death Stranding, if you're like me, you'll get to the the first set of credits <laughs> and wanna put your foot through the fucking television. I was like getting so angry because I was like, I need I was like this is a joke and I just kept going. Thankfully it did. He's so no he's started to get less. He's angry. gonna get to that one line really angry. at the near the end of the game. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he's just gonna throw the best his line fucking PS4 out the window. There's a line like that in, in Metal Gear Solid 5 where if you punch one of the guys at Mother Base, <laughs> it tells you the end of the game. Oh my god. Does that game have an end? It just kind of... There's just a thing where if you do something wrong... Have you? Do you mind if I spoil it if you haven't finished it? What just Death Stranding or MGS5? MGS5. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Basically, if you punch one of the guys, Revolver also says, oh, you're not even the real boss anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, my mate was telling me about this. So it's like one of the guys that was on the base in Ground Zero is, is you or something? Is that? So the beginning of the game, you wake up in the hospital, don't you? Yeah. The guy that is helping you out of the hospital is Big Boss. Um, and you have been brainwashed to which, be to think you are Big Boss. I do think that is. I think that's genius. Venom Snake. I love that. I think that's Doesn't so the, cool. the guy that's helping you get killed oh, kind of the, the game is basically one it's... big prequel to the first metal gear solid game essentially which as a prequel it's fucking good like i love the way it sets that up the fact it makes you make your profile and it's like okay this is sh- stupid and then it comes back 70 hours later <laughs> it's i thought that was genius Right? Genius, I genius. Say genius! I just had a brainwave thinking of MGS2. The Colonel, we've managed to avoid drowning. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favourite line in any game ever. Uh, yeah, MGS2 has some weird shit. That swimming you section. Can kiss posters with women on them and then call somebody on the codec and, like, Raiden, what are you doing in the ladies' bathroom? <laughs> yeah, it's very, 
very I, 2001. I never really got on board with the writing and stuff and Death Stranding, like, the fact that he has such weird names, like, like, Die Hardman. <laughs> like, what kind of name is that? You're gonna be like, oh, His real hey. name is Sean McClane. <laughs> da- uh. It's just the fact that it was like, they were seriously going, and I was like, Die Hardman? Is that, is that actually his name? And also, isn't there somebody who's also, oh no, there's Hartman. Is, is and he lives in a, in a place where the reservoir is in the shape of a heart. That's the weirdest <laughs> thing about Kojima. He has these genius ideas and he's so bold with storytelling, but he, God, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, I like films by Edgar Wright, so I'm going to just put him in the game. Oh, yeah. The best, the best one is with less to do, where she's like, I'm fragile, but I'm not fragile. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, the thing that I find really funny about it is when they had Conan O'Brien give you a little seal hat, right? And you're like, oh, that's so stupid, <laughs> but it's actually the best hood you can yeah. wear in the game because you can just float through the rivers. <laughs> Such yep. a weird inclusion. But, but yeah, yeah weird, my, weird my answer was NGS2, by the way. Just <laughs> very long-winded. <laughs> yeah. Got there on the end. It's, what ha- it's just how Kojima would like it. Yeah, it's true. Taking 20 <laughs> minutes to get to the point. Isn't the last cutscene in Death Stranding two hours long? Something yeah, because like you've got like that's a, that's the first set of credits, as you say. Yeah. Then the whole afterlife bit. Wow. Yeah. And then the actual end of the game. And then the actual credits. Yeah, like my favourite end in Tiny Game is like the end of MGS4 that is literally two hours long. It's so stupid and it just works. Just liquid. It's just explaining like the, in the graveyard. Like, I'm just gonna explain twenty five. Yeah, I'm just gonna explain games. twenty years of games to you, and it's somehow gonna make sense. And it just ends like what? Because like, it just ends like, all oh, right, we got there and ends. Like, but what about in Metal Gear Solid Three when this happened? He's like, <laughs> it's like, bro, you just die. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, I'm playing games at that age where you can, you're driving a car and it can extend a couple of arms out and hit other cars with a big baseball bat. That sounds so. like Pursuit Force. <laughs> that sounds... Pursuit Force is way more sophisticated than that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if you had an answer, Sterling, like a game that didn't have... <laughs> My question to you, Sterling, was what game doesn't have shit well, stealth first, I want to say to the you. only, like the only thing I know about Metal Gear is like the meme from the voice actor where he's like the club of my ass cheeks <laughs> I don't know where you go I can't even say it. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the one where he's no. screaming snake Do you guys know what I'm talking no. about with the with the cl- <laughs> my, yeah the cl- I know what you're the, the club of my ass cheeks keeps letting the guards cuz I'm dummy thick <laughs> I love David Hater he's such a good actor <laughs> man yeah, I know I hate Okay, but sin. my, um, I th- I think my pick would be Assassin's Creed Two, or maybe even Brotherhood. To be honest, again, like stealth, mm-hmm. like it's a stealth game, but at the same time, there's there's such huge chunks of that game where it's just not. Again, there's so many cutscenes and 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 fights and and just stuff like that. But I like those games for not even the gameplay it was it was the story back when assassin's creed had like a large overarching plot and then when was it in assassin's creed 3 when the developers were obviously like oh gotta get rid of this <laughs> can't have a plot going if we're just gonna have game a games franchise that goes on for the rest of time <laughs> but yeah. 
Yeah, it would. I remember um, finishing Assassin's Creed one, and I really liked it. And then it gives you like the big, big plot twist at the end. And when I got my Xbox, I got like four games with it, and it was Assassin's Creed one, two, Final Fantasy thirteen, and something else. So I already had the second game at that point. So when the big plot twist happened at the end, I fucking jammed number two in my Xbox and just started playing because I was <laughs> so like engrossed. I thought it was such a good ending. Uh, but again, I, I see it too. He's solid. Is Assassin's Creed 2 the one where you fight the Pope? Brotherhood. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <yeah, sorry. laughs> what? Yeah, you just fight the Pope. Sorry, you just fight the Pope. I don't know what else to say. I didn't get to that part when you, I played Brotherhood. Bro, you fight the Pope. What? Why? What's the narrative like? Because of the beat for this. Vatican people. courtyard outside, 3 p.m. <laughs> you literally. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't imagine. No, Stern, you it, fight the Pope. Because right? the whole like, story's about like some evil family and you kind of have a vendetta against them and then one of them like ascends to being mm. the Pope, right? Because you're in Italy. And yeah, you like fight him at the end, and then after you fight the Pope, like these godlike beings start talking to you, right? And then it breaks the fourth wall even more, and it mentioned the god people mentioned what? Desmond, it's the the Issa, or and uh-huh. Ezio's like, "What? Who's Desmond? Who are you talking to? Like, what's going on?" And then they like look right at the screen, yeah. and I remember it like gave me shivers. I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> What? That's, that's Metal Gear Solid 2. You would love Me- Metal Gear Solid 2, bro. That is very... Oh, by the way, I looked it up. It's Assassin's Creed 2 where you fight the Pope. Because somebody just asked on Reddit, can somebody explain why Assassin's Creed 2's final boss is a fist fight? I can't remember that. <laughs> I don't know if this guy's... I don't remember that. Yeah. I definitely do. I've only played about... through the story once. Have we all been gaslit into like thinking the Pope is in the All set? I remember about that is unlocking like the bigger parts of Italy later on and just like jumping off rooftops and having a good time. Like I don't remember fighting the goddamn yeah, Pope at the end of the game. Assassin's Creed really 2, Pope Rodrigo fist fight. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fist fight as well, sorry. I should... that, when, when I played that game back in high school, like on my Xbox, my mom would walk into my room all the time and she would refer to Assassin's Creed as uh, the hay wagon game because you always jump off things into like the <laughs> the big hay piles. I just thought it was funny. Can you can you play <laughs> MGS two on GameCube? Isn't wasn't that a thing? Wasn't it like an exclusive? Uh, no, uh, just just the a re- remake. There's like a remake. Yeah, the Twin Snakes is on GameCube. Which don't is a remake of two. one, and it's very hard to get. I don't know. I, I feel like two and three were exclusives. No, 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 no. Three was on Xbox. I think I'm wrong. Twin Snakes is like I'm sure the last time I saw it in CEX, it's like 180 pound. Oh, good. And I'm not even joking. Thanks, CEX. Thank you. <laughs> it's not that place isn't CEX. You know that. It, like it is actually sex. Hell. Don't don't <laughs> we don't live in that timeline yeah. now and we, we call it CX. I, I actually did interview someone that worked there and I, I like mentioned it and I was like, by the way, is it CEX or is it sex? Because I've heard the adverts say sex and she was like, Oh yeah, like it's sex. They love the whole idea that that's how it's pronounced. They think it's like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> come oh, on. <laughs> come on. I like buying stuff from 
see it but come on <laughs> come on can you imagine being, a, imagine being a wee boy been like trying to convince your mum to buy a game that you're too young for and you're like all right okay maybe she's like okay well where am i going just go down to sex and she's like nah fuck this you're not getting that can you imagine the job interviews that like why do you want to work at sex i, I just love sex i'm living breathes <laughs> By the way, Sterling, CX or Sex is a second-hand like, game and video store. Is <laughs> it scare to the top of the Not like a porn market. shop. Somebody get on the Wall Street bets now and give them the info. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it can happen. It's... The guy who makes back Black Mirror is like a co-founder of Sex. It's the only it's the only gaming uh, shop in my town anymore. Like, We've got really. I've got, I've got a game. Oh yeah, laddie da. I'm not. <laughs> I don't have one anymore. I got it. We used to have two. <laughs> we used to have one, but then it gets shut. So then I have to drive like fifteen twenty minutes to another town to go to to game rather than just walking into the town center, which is really annoying. I mean, it's, I, it's I avoid the now. game shop to be honest, but. I yeah. do with the elite card. It was it's worth buying in there if you have the elite card. But I'm not here to spawn. I'm not sponsored by game. I'm not gonna start spouting about yet. the benefits of buying there. Online is not affiliated with Game or GameStation, RIP or any CX. Shout out to GameStation. They sold me a 15 when I was 12. Love you guys. I'd I'd one of the guys for Game Center selling me an underage, and I remember it was Alan Wake, which was a 16. I was 15 at the time, and he was like. Yeah, so when were you born? Because I didn't have my ID and I just, I said like the year earlier and he stood there for a solid like 20 seconds and I could see him like finger counting before he just went, oh, it's, it's all right, it's all right, just take it. A legend. <laughs> what a guy. Oh God. I well, think that's as good a place. Yeah, we had our tangent. <laughs> I don't don't name this after stealth. Just it's like tangent. That's just the, the, the title of this episode. Tangent episode thirteen. <laughs> the next Christopher Nolan film, Tangent. Perfect. Don't oh steal my, my idea. I, well, I'm looking forward to you guys starting your VR show whenever that yeah. might be. <laughs> Thank you. And also the segment on that show about being served for games when you're underage. Oh yeah, got yep. a long list of those. It's just me and Aaron <laughs> comparing what shops I have in my town centre and what shops what, he doesn't have. What family members have had to drag into town into sex <laughs> to get his, to buy his games? Oh, it's it's a whole art, like convincing <laughs> your mum to buy your game. That's like an eighteen, like GTA Vice City. I remember getting like, oh, what's with this woman like with bikini on front? Oh, it's just a character in the game, mum. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I suggested to Sam in private that we should have a podcast episode where we just reflect <laughs> on cringe gamer moments as a kid. <laughs> Even that in itself is just me like convincing parents to buy this game. Like, what? I remember like I threw a hissy fit because he wouldn't buy me Mad World on the Wii, <laughs> and I got it eventually. And I didn't even like it. <laughs> I once had a I once had a mate who was desperate for Saints Row the Third, and I had got it because my mum and dad eventually were pretty cool with just buying me games, and then uh, he was like his mum and dad wouldn't let him get it, so then he bought it uh, off of me with a ten pound markup. I then just used the money to go back and buy it again with a spare ten in my pocket, <laughs> like the, like the wee dick that I am. <laughs> I've got a really good story about true crime too, but. I'll, I'll save it, because it will go on for ages <laughs> if we talk about games and not being allowed to play them. But yes, uh, I don't know about you guys, but this has been a pretty fun episode. I know, still, and you've not uh, played Hitman or anything, but has this episode convinced uh, you? I don't think I'll buy the third one since it's Ooh. expensive, but I might go back and play the others. 
it's constantly on sale. Yeah, man. I think I don't know if the other two were on sale at the minute. Yeah, I think Hitman Two was on sale the day before Hitman Three came yeah, out, and then was. they're like, "Psych!" Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was, I was, oh dear! I was so lucky because I just had a friend who lives like round the corner from me that had it. Otherwise, I would I, I probably wouldn't have got it because I wasn't for spending any more than ten pounds on it, and then you know the game store, no, the PlayStation store are trying to fifty-seven pounds. What are you about, mate? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear before we go i do want to mention a couple of things um we have just started uh what i'm calling hashtag zelda 35 it's basically an entire month off of zelda content over at jump cut play we are open for pictures at the moment um the pitch deadline is next friday on the 12th uh stealth season's just wrapped up you can check out all the amazing features that are in there so much good stuff in from um, you, you too, Aaron and Kyle. You had stuff in there too, videos and Warzone as well. Which I was, I was really like so interested when you sent that over about Warzone because I did not even <laughs> consider that like a stealth. And I read like the picture, like this is fucking good. <laughs> this is some good shit, right? Always, here. always into looking for those weird angles. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and as always, um, Patreon keeps the lights on at Jump Cut Online helps us pay for amazing features that you've seen on the website and for features coming forward. We have just introduced a new tier that is again Ryan Gosling themed called the Place Beyond the Pound. You can now become a patron for as low as one pound just to show a little bit of support and help um support our writers too. Uh before we go, do you guys have anything you'd like to plug? Anyone you'd like to say hello to? Silence. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody else to go. I don't so it's like all of us too politely waiting. I know. Aaron, you go, go. Um, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I'm trying to think what I'm what I'm currently doing. Uh, I suppose it's just my podcast now. I don't know if I've got anything major in the works right now, but my podcast, the film aspect, is out every Tuesday and Friday. And did you? Is this coming out in the fifth? This episode. It is coming out on the 4th on Thursday. 4th on Thursday. Well, to anyone that's listening on that day or Friday during the day, at Friday on Friday the 5th, 8pm, we are doing a live episode to mark our one-year anniversary, I suppose. Um, it's going to be live on Twitter, which my co-host has been very adamant about, which I found, I was like, okay, sure. I don't really know enough <laughs> about it, but I just agreed with it. So we'll be going live on Twitter at 8pm on Friday the 5th which is, uh, that's GMT, UK time. And yeah, we're going to be tackling the top 10 movies on IMDb with some guests and saying whether they should still be there. And it's going to be, going to be a laugh, I think. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I think that's, that's about that. Uh, you can also find the, the show on Twitter is at the film aspect. That's, that's a good idea. I actually see what it's called and where to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that'll be fun. I'm also on Twitter at watchplaytype. I tweet about games usually. Or that that's about it. <laughs> uh, so if, if that's your thing, then then come to me. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Uh, I guess I, I've been annoying these three about it for the last week, but ho- hopefully, like all things going well, this Sunday at 9pm, also GMT, I'm sorry, uh, we should have our Jump Cut Game of the Year video coming out, which yes. has been a huge project I've been working on for the last week. Far too much time went into it uh i won't i won't get in too much to know what it's about because i think it'll be quite nice if people just come into it and they 
they're open to what it is. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like gonna. Sh- it's not an art house <laughs> film or anything. It's not just. <laughs> I was. Not, I was sitting. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. what's he doing?" It's, it's. It's just me staring at my game collection, going, "Why?" For half an hour, <laughs> but no, it, it's been a huge collaboration, and everybody got a few folk from the team. Everyone here is involved with it. But uh, yeah, hopefully, Hutchwood Sunday night. We'll we'll get it out. I hope. Probably not. Nah, we will. Uh, <laughs> but to find out, follow me at, at Kyle Gaff on Twitter as well as following the Jump Cut Play Twitter as well, as we'll be tweeting it out. Hopefully there'll be live premiere and we can all hang about in the chat and post <laughs> memes. <laughs> That's what's going on in my life. Um, I'll have a couple Still. pitches coming up for Zelda 35. Jeez, um, what else? We're all like, oh, we got nothing. We're just bored. We're just <laughs> boring people. Uh, I wrote uh, a feature lately for Twinfinite about Nintendo exclusives that are coming out this year. I'll have another feature out about uh, surprises we want to see this year within the industry, like surprise releases and and just industry stuff that happens, like accusations and um, accusations, acquisitions. <laughs> Whoa, this is some really hard journalism. Sorry. Um, yeah, we got the magazine coming up, right? When does that come out? It's coming out in April. Oop, we haven't not announced saying. the theme yet, Ooh. but it is kicking. It, it, we're not saying it yet, but it is going to be quite exciting. Dogs like. <laughs> It's dog's life. There you go. <laughs> We're going to be doing a full rundown of every breed of dog in the game, um, how the main character interacts with them, the how types that impacts of carpets the game at large. Uh, now, it is... Re- yep. <laughs> this is one hell of an end to an episode. Okay. Yeah, of course. It always is. Usual. And uh, with that being said, I guess I'll just put a cap on it there and say goodbye. <laughs>